Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom. Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. Hello and welcome to Signal of Doom, episode 345. I'm a bachelor this week. It's been Bachelor Dave. And the main man's here as well. Rich, how are you going? Uh, buddy, I've been feeling like Peter Parker lately. What, bad luck or? No, yeah. If I didn't have bad luck, I've had no luck. Oh, have <laughs> you got spider powers though, at least? Not, sadly not. That does, you know, makes it worse. The old Parker luck. Yeah, um, mate, I've had a like, really bad experience last week with the move. Oh, no. I've had issues with electricity. And now, when I leave a place, I don't hire cleaners. I do it myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't trust them. Sure. I go and rather just like get the equipment on them myself. But unfortunately, uh, I managed to get myself sunburned. Oh, dear. I managed to almost dislocate my shoulder. Jesus, Rich, really? And then get a, a, the flu. Oh, you could have called <laughs> You could have called this week off, man. I wouldn't have worried. No, this is the only thing that I've been looking forward to this oh, whole fucking week. poor thing. I've been lying on a couch for three days and oh, been, no. I've only been able to sleep on my back. Oh, Jesus. Um, You've had a rough drive. And then when, like, my shoulders are feeling better, you got flu. And my sunburn sort of starting to, like, you know, I can sort of move a bit better now, then I wake up with the flu. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, that sucks, man. Um, so that's just, like, a comedy of fucking... Are uh, you all moved life. in now? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, still, you know, you still got, like, uh, that 15% of shit that still needs to be sort of unboxed and sure. you know you've got a couple of boxes in there but yeah well, it's pretty much all dude we've got we've got like about fucking 40 boxes underneath the house that they'd be waiting for this renovation so um <laughs> so i know what that's like but yeah okay wow that sounds you've had a really rough trot rich that sounds awful I, and, and also mm. can i say credit to richard unlike me he doesn't whine because he didn't know any of this if this had happened to me i would have not only called in sick on the show i'd be probably in hospital complaining richard's just soldiered on you know? I'm just used to it. Wow. <laughs> That's did... what I said my whole life growing up. Like, it's just something my father passed on to me. He said, son, if we didn't have bad luck, we'd have no luck. Yeah, that's a, that sucks. Um, well, okay, so I don't think you've done too much reading or watching. Um, pretty much sounds like you've been either moving or incapacitated, Rich. Is that the scenario? Oh, I've done a fair bit of watching because I've been oh, sort good. of like... Like on the couch for the three days, but so mostly what, what I've been watching is yeah. that British show. Uh, Would I lie to you? Okay, what's that? I don't. I don't know it. Uh, so it's a it's a show. Basically, <clears throat> it's it's hosted by uh, the, the the comedian actor Rob uh, Bryden. Uh, I, I know two, him. He's funny. Yeah, and then there's two teams. On one team, it's Lee Mack and two guests. Right. Who's another comedian, super funny, and then on the other team is uh, what's it, David Weber? I think his name is another right. funny comedian. Um, no, sorry, David Mitchell. Right. Weber's the other guy that he does the, the he show. With. Anyway, uh, David Mitchell, and then they have two. And basically what people do is they tell they tell something and the other team has to guess if it's a lie or the truth. Oh, so they okay. tell a story. Like, so they'll read a card and the card will say, like, uh, uh, I once went missing for three weeks and Interpol, uh, my parents <laughs> got Interpol involved. and You know what I mean? And then... Then they ask questions, and the person tells the story, and then they've got to try and guess yeah, yeah, yeah. if the person is telling the truth or if it's a if it's a port. Do they have guests on? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's two teams, 
And Lee Mackin and David are always David Mitchell are always the two captains of each team. Right. And then they have two two guests per team. So there's four four new people every week. Or that sounds funny. And that guy trip. is funny. He's in the trip. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the trip. Oh, no, no. Oh, geez. Lee Mack, Lee Mack Rob, Roy, uh, Bryden, and David Mitchell. Seriously, you will be like yeah. the, the expression ruffle is, yeah. suits the show very well because you will be laughing out loud. That's good, man. Well, at least you've had something to... And, gee, I know dislocating a shoulder, that's not good. I, I did that once many years ago. It can be very painful when they, you know, get it back in. Um, yeah, so, uh, mm. yeah, it's been uh, it's been a fun week. But, hey, Sorry, at least I've got to catch up on some funny... T- oh, I did actually watch... Um, I did watch a couple of Aussie TV shows. You'd be, you'd be very proud of me. I watched some Aussie comedies. I don't really like much Aussie comedy. What did you watch? Uh, I watched The Hollow Men. I've never heard of it. <laughs> Um, I'm terrible with Australian TV. Where? Newer show called um, Utopia. I have heard uh, of that. It's by the same guys. Basically, it's the same. It's the same sort of the comedy company or whatever you want to call it. They did mm. it. Uh, Holloman is a bit of an older one. And even do you remember that the the the, the radio guys, Merrick and Rosso? Yeah, I back do. in the day. Yeah. Well, it had it had Merrick on it. I mean, it's a side character, but he was actually yeah. pretty good acting this. And anyway, Holloman is basically it's Australian government. Yeah, and it's just how like ridiculous, how it's all like inefficient, double speak. It's like yeah. they nothing happened. You know what I mean? Mm. Like when something happens and they say we need to take action, they go, "Oh no, no, this is a time for <sighs> yeah." But we want to look like we're. You know what I mean? It's one yeah. of those like yeah. where th- they're trying to action something, but nothing actually. So happens. basically, political comedy, basically. Like... Well, it's that time, but I have said it's basically a documentary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the Utopia is also a bit more government, but it's a little bit more side government. It's a it's a it's a group called like the um, Nation Building Australia, sort of. Where have you seen this stuff, project. man? Is this on ABC or what? I've never heard of this. <laughs> well, stuff. I discovered it on YouTube, right? And it's on Stan. It's on yeah, yeah. It's on ABC or or Stan. You know that streaming service, Stan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, honestly, again, I'm also not big into a lot of Australian comedies. Genuinely funny. I actually did enjoy okay. it. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, I, I just didn't, like, and I'm horrible. Uh, no real reason. I, I barely watch any Australian TV at all, like, um, well, outside of the news. Do you remember the old one, Frontline? I used to, well, yeah, I love that, but that was, It's like, the same guy. It's the same guy and, and his comedy company that did Frontline. Yeah, the, the working dog guys. Yeah. Yeah, mm, they are productions good. or something. They yeah. are good. They are good, those guys. Yeah, if I, actually, if I was going to pick... And I'm hopelessly out of touch with Australian TV, like, I mean, honestly, but those guys are always high quality. Um, mm-hmm. Over the years, like, many times, they've they've hit, they've hit gold a few times, you know what I mean? Which is a lot more than a lot of people do. Um, well, these two shows were definitely hit with me. Okay, cool. Well, what were the Hollow Men and what was the other one? Utopia. Utopia, yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, does any of the um, sort of panel guys show up? Like the guys from Working Dog who were on the panel, did they actually appear on camera or are they just strictly off camera? You know, like your Tom Gleasner's so. Rob Stitch. I think some do. Well, the guy that's the main character from Frontline, he's in all three. Rob Stitch. Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah he's funny. He's good. Yeah, so he's so. Uh, but others have smaller parts or just small appearances. But he's he's the always the one that's on all three. Okay. Well, you know what? I'll actually check that out because I do find him hilarious. I just have not heard of them, to be honest, um, which is just... I, I didn't hear about it. They're actually quite... Hollow Man, I think, came out in 2009. Right. Okay. Wow. So, but Utopia was a bit newer. 
Utopia was like 2016, 2014, around about that. So that's a bit newer than the 2009. And I imagine it's not like a ton of episodes. It's only a few episodes per season. It's a few seasons, but like, yeah, each, it's like very British. So it's like maybe like eight episodes or six episodes per season kind of thing. And those guys and many British shows know how to do it right with the, with the, with the small seasons right now, American TV, the streamers like Disney have all they, all they know is, oh, we have, we can do less, but it's terrible quality. And the the British shows and like that working dog productions when they do a season of like six to eight episodes it's it's quality you know what mm. I mean well that, that that's where I laugh where I was having this this chat with someone when I was saying how bad the new Shira show was uh, in comparison and then yeah. they said to me oh well it had more seasons than He Man and and like uh, Shira and I said true if you're talking about the number of seasons but look how many episodes per season right. He Man and Shira had because those episodes, their episodes per season weren't like 12 or 13. They mm. were like 26. Right, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like episodes per season. So technically they had more episodes yeah. than the new Shira one. Like just well, as you said, like if you went, oh, wow, Mandalorian's had three seasons, you go, yes, yeah, three seasons of eight episodes. Yeah. Whereas normally a TV show would have 22, 23, well, the, old 24 episodes model. per season on normal TV. So... Yeah. These days, yeah, if you say something has more seasons, it doesn't necessarily mean more episodes. One hundred percent, that's right. I mean, and it goes, it goes down to that as well. Like, you, you know, and you can, and I, and I've, I mean, I've repeated myself, but I've said this: Disney, on especially on their Marvel shows, they manage somehow to make eight episodes. They haven't got enough content for that many episodes, and they string the story out and they pad it. I'm like, seriously, guys, like. You only had to do eight episodes, and somehow you still didn't have enough of a story, you know, like which I think is, is almost criminal because it's just really bad plotting. Well, and, you know. But that's also the nice kind of thing about the British shows as well is they don't have to do one every year. Yeah. You know, it's like they could go, okay, we're going to do uh, a season of, you know, this, like Black Adder. We'll do a, a, a new season of Black Adder, and then we'll go off and do our own shit for like, is two he, years is or whatever, and we'll come back and do another season. He's not still doing them, though, though is he? Blackadder? Oh, no, I mean, they occasionally will come out and do, like, a special or oh, something really? like that. But my point is, that, like, that, that's just how British TV shows, like, yeah. whereas, sometimes, whereas, oh, let's sometimes face it, they've got the yearly thing, but then sometimes they're like, you know what, we've done a season, we'll yeah. come back when we've got <clears throat> a new idea or, you know, a new story, schedules and we'll permit. go off and do our own shit until we do that. Yeah, or schedules permit. Like like Luther, yeah. for example, with Idris Elba, the more famous he got, they sort of scheduled out the the seasons. Um, there is a downside to that, though. Doctor Who, I think. The downside is if you leave it too long, um, it goes cold very fast in this media environment. Like, because there's so yeah, much content. Both, both is a double-edged sword, because, yes, you may sort of turn around and go, ooh, you know, ooh, people are getting a bit whatever. But, yes, if you maybe take too long... Yeah. between the seasons but yeah, i mean both have, are flawed in some ways so. oh, yeah or you're just churning it out and you don't have the ideas and you know what amazes me is the amount of shows on american tv that did 22 episodes and like some were super long running and they managed to get it done with you know i'm talking about your cheers your mash your magnum like there's there, there's many examples um danny you know you could just will and great you could keep going like that managed to do it and churn out that many episodes for well, like you know eight well, that's years. because they were, they they were smart where that nothing can change. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, basically, everything had to reset. Sure. Or change very gradually, you know, very gradually. Oh, yeah, like, it had to be a massively slow change. Yeah, not yeah. something like, oh, I've learned a lesson, and now I'm going to be a completely different person next episode. It's like, yeah. no, you have a funny story, there's a resolution, but come next episode, kind of things have yes. reset. 100%. And which, to be honest, it's the TV model we grew up on. I, I enjoy it. I I like well, it. Well, that's good you know. for episodic. That's how you can make something. Because if you yeah, if you were going to do something where every, every episode matters, mm. you are going to probably run out of fucking <laughs> ideas because you, you can't do about Oh, I can't do that because they've changed or this happened. Well, I Whereas think a more these modern... ones, you can kind of contradict each other a couple of seasons later because it's like, who fucking cares? Like, I, I think a more modern example, like as in, like not that modern, but I think Buffy was a good example of a long-running show that had always had 20 episodes. Um you know, uh, yeah, they had the big bad thing, but, and they, things did change, but, you know, it was high quality throughout, like, it was, I'm not saying it was 10 out of 10, but it was, you know, 7 to 7.5 to 8.5 sometimes, um, you know, there are examples, well, but they're few and far between. I'll say this, I thought, oddly enough, I, th I think the show that did it absolutely the best mm, which... was actually uh, Justice League um, Unlimited. Yeah, they'd, yeah. Be no, because what they did was, if you look at every episode once it became unlimited, mm. it's it's it is still kind of episodic, mm. but there is an overarching story. Oh, they did it really that, well. Yeah, that is is resolved at the end of that season. So, yeah, yeah the whole season matters, but you still it's still kind of episodic. And while yes. it's doing this episodic, it's weaving yes this 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 connected story that that culminates into a big sort of finale and i thought i thought that show again only did it for three seasons but i thought it did it brilliantly for those three no, seasons of and it's addictive of an overarching story that had a payoff and you were like oh shit i didn't even realize like that was setting all that sort of shit up they the, they had the advantage they had the advantage too because of the gigantic cast of characters that you could spotlight a few sometimes lesser known characters of the main character you, mm. do, do you know what I mean? They had that advantage as well where, you know, like if you look at a standard sitcom, um, you know, take a Seinfeld, take a Will, Will and Grace, whatever. Like there's a set, the main character cast is set, you know, mm. and so, yeah, they did. Yeah, that, look, Justice League Unlimited did it fantastically well. I would say as well as probably any superhero cartoon that I can probably think of. I mean, obviously... Batman the Animated Series is, is, is awesome, but considering the vast cast, I think that was pulled off really well, really well. Like Because the funny thing is they, they kind of emulated that at the start of, like, The Flash, mm. the live-action TV show. Sure. Uh, but then they just, they kind of... Well, they got, lost, they in lost, the, they, they got lost in the romance yeah. shit as well, you know? Yeah. Like, they did start off doing it very well with, like dropping all yeah, these things yeah. and, and, you know, having it episodic, but then sort of having this sort of pay off this reveal. But then again, sometimes, again, but as I said, it only had three seasons. So it, it kind of ended on a high note, mm. you know, it, it sort of cashed it all in and said, right, we're done. Whereas obviously I think maybe the flash went on for too long. Uh, well, and, and I'll be honest, flash got really CWE and really yeah. romancy and in a boring way as well. Like boring. Oh, oh God. In a, in an annoying yeah. Yeah. Sad news. R.I.P. A couple of R.I.P.s this week, which are really quite sad. Um, Ramona Fredon, or Fredon, um, uh, passed away. I think she was in her nineties, so she had a very good innings. Um, but she sadly passed away this week, Rich. 
Um, she was artist extraordinaire, co-creator of Metamorpho. Um, before Freydon and Barbara Hall, who drew the Black Cat feature for Harvey, there were no women drawing superheroes in comic books. She was especially known for her work on the DC characters Aquaman and Metamorpho, uh, which, as I said, she co-created with writer Bob Haney. Um, comic books were not a part of her childhood. Um, uh, she was a fan of newspaper comic strips like Milton Kniff's Terry and the Pirates, The Phantom, Prince Valley at Flash Gordon, Alleyoptic, Tracy and Little Abner. Um, later on, I saw Will Eisner's spirit and was normally influenced by his drawing. Um, she took a break from the business in the second half of the 1960s to raise her daughter Amy. However, despite wanting to lessen her workload to focus on being a wife and mother, 64 marked the debut of what is probably her best-known character and one of my favourites, which Metamorpho, the, elef- the Element Man, must call him the elephant. You're going to say the elephant man. Sorry, yeah. (laughs) Um, I love Metamorpho. Um, And she tells the story. Uh, This was on Comics Journal. I'm getting this from. Uh, Metamorpho was George Cashton's idea. He had studied science when he was in school, and he thought of a character made of four elements who could change himself into different chemical compounds. He gave Bob Haney the idea. Bob Haney, we all know from Brave and the Bold, that genius. Um, And Bob fleshed it out brilliantly. I believe George continued to supply scientific details for Bob to use throughout the life of the feature. Um, she was a real trailblazer, Rich, and um, she only retired, like, earlier this year. She, she'd been working like, almost right up until the end, one of those people who just can't stop working. Um, mm-hmm. I think she made it to 94, so a great innings by her. Um, and, you know, a pioneer in so many ways, um, you know, in, in terms of the industry uh, for what she was doing long before it was commonplace practice for women to have, you know, roles in, in that kind of thing and of such high quality and to be so well regarded. Um, she'll be sorely missed. Um, and then, Rich, we had another very sad RIP this week. Richard Lewis, the comedian from Kirby Enthusiasm and many other things, uh, such a funny guy. See, such a perfect foil with Larry, like such a long-standing friends, obviously, and just their bickering. Um, he had a sudden heart attack. He'd been in poor health. He'd had shoulder operations, in recent years, he, he had health problems. I think he even had cancer uh, at, a, at a point. And he was 76. And he's, he, I mean, genuinely funny as hell. And um, are you familiar with his work, Rich? Do you watch Curb? No, I don't watch Curb, but I am familiar with his work because I've seen him in some um, mm. earlier TV shows and all that. Yeah. You know what? I don't know why. Mm. And maybe I'm wrong. I thought he was in... Murphy Brown. Maybe he well, I don't remember him, but then again... I, I thought like, you know. he, he was like a painter or something, or like a handyman. I know the I'm guy you're talking about. You're talking about the nanny in Murphy, Murphy Brown. It was like a painter, I think, you're talking about, which yeah, wasn't like, him. I always saw him, he had like a paint can or something. Yeah, and that wasn't him. Paint well, over I, on. I, I thought that was him, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, but he was I also he, he also played Prince John in uh, Robin Hood Many Tights, which is a yeah. hilarious oh, yeah. Mel Brooks movie. So yeah, no, no, absolutely. <laughs> and also he was in that movie with um, uh, was it John Candy? Mm. Uh, Wagons East, I think it was. Yeah, Wagons East. Um, he was in Leaving Las Vegas. I'm just looking at some of his movies. I mean, he was also really well known as just a fantastic. Um, Stand-up comedian. That, well, that just was... stand-up comedian, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, again, obviously, being not living in America, you don't really get to see a lot of mm. comedian sort of shows and all that sort of shit. So mm. I only really knew him from sort of TV. The, he's the TV he's hilarious. He's hilarious in Curb, working off um, working off um, Larry. They, they, this fucking funny one they had this time, because they had, like, a you know a friendship, but it was that bickering friendship. Uh, and... Uh, 
Larry's taking a call le- on his left hand, and, and and Richard Lewis says, "None of this lefty bullshit. Put me on the right." Hand. <laughs> I'll never forget it. <laughs> Larry's like, yeah, I'm on the left hand. He goes, you're on the left hand. None of this lefty bullshit. Put me on the right. And um, he was just a funny guy. Like, he, he always cracked me up. Um, there's actually a oh, – no, it's not recent. Uh, 2007, uh, Mr. Warmth, the Don Rickles project, uh, where Don Rickles in kind of his latter days put together up, you know, uh, he got like a, a best of his comedians and um, did a movie and stuff where they all – you know, they're, they're swapping stories backstage and they're doing their bits and stuff. And it's a great, great movie. Um, mm. I recommend it. He's in that. Um, just a funny guy. And, I mean, you know, passed away, heart attack, ripped through him. As I said, he's healthy. Oh, that can take you at any time. It could take me fucking tonight, man, the amount of coffee. Yeah, it could take you when you're 40. It could take you when you're 100. It could take well, you any time. I'm knocking on 50, man. You realise that? I'm not going on 50, man. I'm 50 this year. I wasn't talking about you specifically, Dave. Like, mm. you don't have to be that narcissistic. Yeah, I will be, though. And, and, I mean, and, you and, as in general, as in everybody, anybody. Yeah, anybody out there. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying is the Reaper could touch anyone at any time. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. He had been in poor health. Um, as I said, I think I think he had cancer. He certainly had had massive yeah. shoulder operations yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And if the movies, the movie series Final Destination have taught me anything, if you survive something that should have killed you, mm. you're probably going to die soon. <laughs> wow. That's a dark fucking comment, Rich. But, yeah, I, I hear what have you're you saying. Have you seen that? Have you seen that? Like, they survive. Like, they get yeah. off the plane. Yeah. yeah. And death goes to, it's like, no, you're supposed to die, so I'm going to get you anyway. So I'm always thinking to myself, like, if I ever find out that I got off a bus or a train or a, mm. an airplane and it crashes, I'm going to be, like, so shit scared that I... I'm going to die soon. Well, it can work the other way too, where if you survive a near-death experience, you... No, 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 that's different though. I I think if you survive the crash, you were meant to survive. But if you get off... Yeah. Yeah, 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 I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Then you should scared I'm going to die soon. Good point, (laughs) good point. Because I always felt when I had that massive car accident when I was, oh, I forget, about 19 or 20 which easily could have killed me, and I walked away miraculously, actually unscathed. Like, it was a miracle. And and not just, like, it, it is a miracle. And I was, you know, like, uh, nervous going through, like, uh, intersections and stuff for about, for about six months before it took me. Like, I was driving, don't get me wrong, it was my job, but I was jittery, and it took some time to come down. But once I'd calmed down, I, I really viewed it like you dodged a fucking bullet, like you know, you sort of live your life kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, it always makes me think, like, I'm 49. You know, I feel like I've had a good innings and it or easily could have all been over at 19 or 20, whatever age I was that day. You know, it wasn't my fault. It was someone else. We got r- speeding through a red light, T-boned me, car, you know, spinning, crashing on a site. Like, so many things could have gone wrong. You know what I mean? And um, it was a miracle, to be honest, because I had a, you know, I won't go into it, but it was, it was, there was a lot going on that day. If, if things had just, just been um, slightly, slightly different, uh, many people could have died. It was lucky. So, so I always think, you know, in a weird way, kind of blessed to be alive. You know what I mean? Like that's, and I never felt that before until that moment. You know what I mean? Like I never, I never, had had anything I you know I fell off a cliff when I was when I was young but I was too young to really understand it you know what I mean like I, I don't even remember it because I knocked my head I was very concussed and oh that explains a lot 
<laughs> well, I got it. it explains some of my back pain. But but what I'm saying is I was too young to really almost give a shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. uh, and whereas I wasn't when I, when this incident happened. And as I say, after about six months where I was quite jittery, then I was like, wow, you you know, you're lucky to be alive. Like, you know, don't kind of squander it kind of thing, you know. But anyway, it's it, there's a lot of ways it can go, man. I mean, cancer's a tough one, though, because it comes back and, you know, it's a rough one. Like... You know, it's a that's a rough one, and uh, you know, it almost just to die of a sudden heart attack isn't that bad, you know. Uh, I mean, it. it's it's probably preferable. I mean, mm. you know, because you don't know it's happened. Like, yeah, it's a boom. Don't I mean, I sure in, in that maybe in that moment you do, but my point is, yeah, it's not something you got to come to terms with. It's not something you got to live with, or yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what I mean? like again, if you got cancer or some disease, or you know, yeah, wasting or something, away then, yeah, it's a constant sort of battle. It's a constant on your mind and all that sort of shit. Yeah, I mean, if I was just going to, like, have a shot pain one day and then drop, probably the best way to go. Dude, I remember the car coming at me, and I actually had that millisecond where I thought, well, this is it. You know, there was a weird calmness. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, I almost don't know how to describe it, but, like, there was this millisecond of just, like, well, I'm fucked, you know? And... Mm. And then the car hit, and every thought goes out the window because it's just it, yeah. It well, I was going to say when I when I had my accident, I don't even remember a single thought that yeah. went through my head. <laughs> I just remember the, yeah. the 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 impact. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Um, all right. Well, um, what I was doing uh, over the last couple of nights is I watched some old Star Trek. Actually, I was listening to John Suntress on Word Balloon, and um, mm. he had a Star Trek kind of expert on and he's a big Star Trek fan and uh, they were discussing um, basically they were focusing actually on original series uh, their favourite episodes and a lot of their favourite novels and stuff you know how like you've got the Star Wars novels Rich well there's also a lot of Star Trek novels and but they, they mentioned episodes uh-huh. and um, I've probably seen most of the episodes but a lot of them I haven't seen more than once and nearly all of them 30 years ago. You know, there's some I've, I've seen a lot more than others, but, like, a lot of episodes I, I saw, watched it once, enjoyed it, and forgot about it, you know? So mm. they, were, they were naming episodes, and I thought, well, you know, these aren't ones that I've watched um, recently, so I'm going to check them out. And the ones I watched was Dagger of the Mind, which is a really interesting one, which touches on, like, a rehab... Well, it's a prison, really, but it's a rehab planet, and they use um, sort of like a a mind wiper or mind modifier machine and it's really good a uh, good episode mm-hmm. i watched tomorrow is yesterday which is one which i don't remember seeing which is one where um kirk well actually the whole enterprise goes back in time to like the uh well the, the late 60s so around the time that star trek was being shot and it's all to do with the space program and it's a really good episode and like they're the ufo that the air force is chasing oh, yeah, yeah 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 good episode um and, and there's I, a time traveller or an alien involved in that, isn't there? Uh, um, was it a different one when no. they got back to 1960? Yeah, not that one. Yeah, not that one's. That one's just like the. What basically happens is the guy who was, you know, the Air Force chasing the UFOs back in the 50s and 60s. Mm. Well, they beam him aboard, and then it, it turns out that, um, and he sees everything. You know, he's an Air, Air Force pilot. He sees everything, and they're like, "Well, we can't take you back." We can't put you back because you've got to report on all this stuff and alter history. 
but eventually um, they work out that his grandson is the first person who went to Saturn and was really instrumental in the sort of early days of the, you know, the Federation or at least the setting up towards the Federation, you know, or whatever, oh, yeah, whatever yeah, the yeah. word is to describe it. So they have to put him back and eventually they do and stuff. But it was, it was a really good, really good episode. And then I also watched Private Little War, which I had seen before, um, the one with the Klingons. Um, basically, it's a really good episode. It's it's like a pacifist planet where they're hunter-gatherers, but they're not weaponized. Uh, mm-hmm. So they don't even they don't even use their weapon like for anything but hunting. Anyway, um, and Kirk had been there thirteen years before on like his first ever sort of like away sort of mission thing, sort of studying. He lived with them for six months, sort of thing. Anyway, um, the Klingons have deliberately brought weapons in. There's sort of two factions, and they brought weapons in, and so everything's uh, es- typical Klingons. Typical Klingons. Yeah, it was a good episode though because. Uh, it, it's described as a Eden, and 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 Kirk's like, well, we have to weaponize them to the exact same level to, to keep the balance of power. And McCoy's, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah McCoy's like, you, you it's know, basically like an allegory of like the Cold War, basically. Yeah, and of Vietnam, I think, is, is yeah. what it was. Well, like, just well, the Cold War is basically Russia's army, these people, yes. China's army, these people, America's army, these people, and yeah, and then trying trying to get everyone to keep everyone else's borders in check and. Yeah, and all that sort of crap. So yeah, that was a good episode too. It is a good episode. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, yeah. So I so I watched all those three, and um, yeah, I was just just loving life, really, Rich. To be honest, I, I still love the, the the original series. Like you see, oh, no, Kirk. No, no. Yeah, the original series is is oh, look as much as I love TNG as well. Yeah, um, it it does miss it does uh, miss a little bit of the charm. It's missing a little bit of the, the sort of the charm and the kind of camaraderie. Yes. You know, of of the original one. You yeah. know what I mean? The original one, I think just being a bit more of a smaller cast um, and especially having your triangle mm. sort of, of oh, yeah. um, you know, Nimoy, um, uh, well, Spock, McCoy and um, Kirk. Uh, Kirk, it, 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 they play off each other very well. Mm. TNG is really good. I like the subject matters of TNG, but it does feel a little bit more colder, a little bit more like, well, I like Data, like uh, Data, Data, whatever Data, pronunciation. Yeah. I kind of like him because he brings a little bit of uh, that sort of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, the way that he doesn't quite understand yeah, yeah, yeah. idiosyncrasies and, you know, human thinking and emotion, all this sort of stuff. There's a bit of fun there, but th- there's just something fun about the original. Like, Definitely. It's, well, it's, it's, yeah, it's got a message, but it's also fun. Hundred percent. And I mean, I think Kirk is a big factor as well. I think. I just think the the, the and way Bones. I think I think Bones. Also uh, Bones and work. Bones and Spock are fantastic. No, I agree. I agree. I if I had to break it down, I, I the strength of the original series is those three. And yes, the the subject matter is really cool. But like in terms of the actors, they just propel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Next Generation. It's a it's a more modern show. It's a much more of an ensemble cast. Like it's a lo- It's a bigger cast. Obviously anchored by Picard, who's very good. But yeah, it, it's just a bit more modern. Like I mean, if I had to pick, if you'd asked me ten years ago, what's my favourite Star Trek series? It would be Next Gen, followed by original series. Now that I'm rewatching the original series, I'm like, gee, you know what? The original formula is so strong. 
and and TNG captured like big parts of the whole ethos um, that I would probably very slightly say original series now, but that's not putting TNG down because I still hold it in extremely high regard, you know? Um, no, but I mean, you don't get TNG without the original. Th- that's what I'm saying, TNG yeah. TNG just continues and yes. improves upon, you know, and, and, and also, again, goes for the same sort of subject matters. And, and it's got and, stuff, and stuff like... Um, also, I think the thing with... The thing with the original series, you you have to accept that, like, the, the, the effects and stuff and, like, the people in costumes are kind of ridiculous looking, but you've got to look for the bigger story of what it's, it, it is. So, for example, mm-hmm. in Private Little War, there's that character, which is kind of like the rhino, and he's running around. And, like, if you look at that, with cynical eyes, it is ridiculous. You know, it looks ridiculous. Like, it's not fantastic-looking, blah, blah, blah. But look at the story, you know what I mean? And a bit of imagination, and you realise that that doesn't really matter. It doesn't really impact yeah. the story that that well, thing well, looks a bit stupid. Yeah, well, the special effects are not timeless, but the stories are. Exactly, exactly. And and I find it very easy to look past that stuff, I mean, to be honest. And, and i got to oh, say... Again, I, it adds to its charm now, like yeah. that's what I said, because... That's the thing. Like, I feel like Patrick Stewart, he brings his captain and the stories they were telling, they bring a lot more gravitas. Oh, t- t- you know t- what t- I mean? T- it's a lot more gravitas. But the Shatner and the OG, the Kirk, it, it brings a little, as I said, it brings a little bit more charm, adventure, yeah, fun. You know, like Shatner, even when he's dealing with something serious or whatever, would still be a bit cheeky well, sometimes. he smirks you know I mean? and stuff. Or, like, you know, he... He he's 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 full of machismo, um, in, in I think the best possible way, and and I think like you you wouldn't get it, like we wouldn't. I mean they've completely screwed the pooch if you ask my opinion of modern Star Trek, like in the last say five years. But oh god, yeah. but but like all the stuff that came before it, like TNG and um, Deep Space Nine and even Voyager. You would not get any of that without without Shatner and those guys and Gene Roddenberry laying the groundwork in the 60s, you know, and um, also the other thing that I like is I got into Star Trek really through the movies in the 80s, before I'd even seen many episodes of the TV show, and it's a joy for me to go back and Shatner's so young, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, yeah, this is so good, like, because I I remember him being, like, around 50, you know, like, you know, or whatever he was in Ratha Khan and, and all that, like, I enjoyed those movies, but I always felt like I was coming in very late to the party. And I remember someone said to me, and I was young, I saw the first one, I was like, Ratha Khan's an awesome movie. And they're like, you realise there's a whole TV show. Uh, and I'm like, where is it on? I'm like, no, no, it's from back in like the 60s. And, and in my brain, I was like, that's going to suck, mm-hmm. you know, as a kid. But then when I started watching it, and watching it now, I'm like, it's a joy to see him so young and so vital, is what I'm trying to say. You know, and, and like Spock and McCoy and everybody, like, it's just fun. So, I, I mean, I think it stands the test of time. Like, honestly, I think long after Discovery is forgotten as a very mediocre show, uh, Star Trek original series will still be, you know, there, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so, no matter how much they're trying to ruin it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it gets to the point, like, where you're just like, you can make up whatever shit you want now and tell me how fucking Kirk is hopeless and or whatever, and I just don't care. I'm just like, I don't care. 
you know, my my well, my head cannon is completely different. Well, I'll give you a perfect example. Okay, and this is why I f- I feel like um, I feel like these bigger budgets are I th- I honestly believe are hurting storytelling mm. because I just saw an ad for um what well, ad a trailer for the final season of that um Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. And it is all just action. Yeah. It's all like one-liners, big explosions, big set pieces. And in my brain, I'm watching it, and I'm just going, this is not, that's not what Star Trek is. Yeah. Like, when I, I, tell me the, the stories you're going to be touching on. Yeah. The, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the conflicts, the, 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 um, the drama. I don't care about an exploding ship. No. Or, or people diving from an explosion or gun, like gun, that's not Star Trek. Yeah. I don't watch Star Trek for, for big space battle explosions. <laughs> I can get that from like yeah. a dozen other sci-fi shows. I watch Star Trek for the poignant mm. Mm. personal stories that they tell about our history. Mm. You know, that, yeah. that's what I've always enjoyed about Star Trek. It's like, it's kind of like a history lesson. You know what I mean? Like they really are. And Star Trek's also generally at its best when it doesn't necessarily always take a side. Like, yes, obviously there's certain things that is a side. Like if you're doing an allegory of like the Germans and the Jews, obviously there's a side. But sometimes they also know when in the story to kind of be like, Well, you know, Jim, you know, that's not always the correct answer. Or you know what I mean? Like someone would push back against Kirk. Well, the quote he viewed it and all that. The quote that on this John Suntress discussion with this other guy, I think his name was Kelly Young, was um, apparently someone had said, old Star Trek, like original series, made you think, whereas the new stuff is trying to tell you what to think. You know, yeah, and... That's, yeah, that says it more succinctly than I get, than I do. Yeah, but it's exactly what you're saying, and, and, and I agree. And, like, I don't want to be told. Like, dude, in, in all honesty, you know, you go to, like, ret- corporate retreats and stuff, and, like, they want to drum a message in. You know, and it's like, it gets to a point where you're just like, honestly, like, I, you know, stop telling me what to think. You know, really. I mean, honestly, like, you will always try, but I, I think there's a certain resistance in the human mind at some point where it's like, stop telling me what to think. You know, and I certainly don't need my entertainment telling me what to think. And, and now these days, oh, my God, like, it's, it's hit you over the head with a, like, with a plank of wood. You know, and and honestly, it just gets up. Uh, for me, it's very is very alienating when it gets to that level. I, I'm just like, I don't care that much. Like, you know, your fucking <laughs> crappy piece of entertainment. You know, disposable entertainment is now you know really trying to shove something down my throat. I'm just not feeling it. Anyway, but like this original series, and there are plenty of episodes of original series Star Trek and Next Gen. Uh, which was sort of thoughtful, many episodes. And I and I also think it was light sci-fi in, in the best way. Like, they did deal with some concepts. Both shows dealt with concepts, you know, that sci-fi writers deal with and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it wasn't just space battles. There's a few episodes like that, but you're right. Many times it's it, it all hinges upon kind of a moral question. Or a, Sometimes you know, the most compelling stories and even episodes there wasn't a single solitary scene of action. Not even a punch was thrown because, you know, and I'm not saying you can't have that, but my point is if you're doing a trailer for your final season Mm. and all that's in it is like one-liners of like, 
you know, family and explosions and <laughs> tea. And you're like, okay, you see, now this doesn't, this doesn't make me want to watch a show because it just seems like a generic sci-fi show. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you were to go, if you were going to do a trailer with Star Trek, yeah, you'd probably have a bit of action in it, but you would be showing the drama. You'd be showing the conflict of, of, you know, what is it is that they're facing? What's making them, you know, question or, you know, or, 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 or what, what moral conundrum are they having to face or something like that? You would have to put that in the trailer as well as some action. Yeah, but, but when you've got none of that and it's just action and platitudes and one-liners about family and, sure. and stuff, then it just feels like it, it doesn't feel like Star Trek to well, me. Dude, it just doesn't. One thing is it's the dumbing down of popular entertainment in general. Um, and also I think it's Star Trek written by people and run by people, not even run by people who don't really get the brand. They get the, they know there is a brand called Star Trek, but they're not quite. They're they're, they're sort of like there's they, they've been failing at it for a while now. Paramount, like it's been a long slow de decline for some time. You know what I mean? And like they've lost the plot. Like and and I'm almost ashamed of myself when the original JJ movie came out. I quite enjoyed it. Little did I know that would be really the beginning of the end of any quality coming from Star Trek, in my opinion, ever since. I don't think, I don't think honestly, any of it's been much good since then. And that wasn't great. I just enjoyed it, you know what I mean? I, and, and I remember uh, it was a friend of a friend, and um, her and her husband were big Star Trek fans, like hardcore. And I said to her, oh, the new movie's pretty good. Like, I enjoyed it. Like, I still think it's one of JJ's best movies. And she goes, yeah, but, like, they just took a shit on all the fans and all the previous stuff and everything. And at the time, I was like, I heard what she said, and, and I kind of agreed. And now, now we're, now we're 10, 15 years down the road, I'm like, yeah, she actually was right. You know, rather than doing the next story in the you know, Star Trek Legacy, you know what I mean? And you know how, like, Next Gen's, like, you know, 50 or 60 years after original series. They, JJ, of course, has to reboot it all in JJ style. And, yeah. you know... Which is funny because he did that to um, to uh, Star Trek mm. and then he turned around and did it to Star Wars and no one listened to me when I said no. that he did it to Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> that, he, that he ruined Star Wars as well. Everyone was like, no, it's, it's a good start. Give him a chance. I was like, why? He's... Yeah. He's ruined Star Trek. Why do you give faith that he's not ruining... Yeah. Uh, no, JJ, in general, uh, like, uh, he's enormously wealthy, and sometimes I, I really wonder why he's given so many opportunities, because he's very generic, and he's very, very lackluster when you look at the actual movies. Like, you know, when I say Star Trek is his best movie, it's not that great of a movie. You know, it's, it's enjoyable, um, but, like... It's not great, you know, and it only got worse. I don't know if he did the second one. Did he do the second one, the Into Darkness? Yeah, he did. That was yeah. fucking woeful. That was a terrible fucking movie. Um, yeah, that was that was a shockingly bad movie. The second one, like that was like wow. I and it's so funny now. Um, and uh, look, the thing is, they're not learning any lessons, man. They're doubling down. Paramount's doubling down. Like we're enjoying the classic stuff. Like I'm watching classic. They're so far away from that where they are, you know, and the fans are hating it. By the way, like it's 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 getting, I don't know. They've they've really sort of decimated their fan base in a, in a quieter way than Star Wars did. 
you know, because it's not as main, it's not as big, basically, but in a similar way, it's just. Well, I mean, just just to show you how they don't understand their their the fan base or the target demographic. I mean, I would have been very happy back in the day if you told me that there was going to be an animated Star Trek show. Sure. Except that they've done it in the vein of like Rick and Morty. Yeah, lower and you're like, and you're like, but I don't want it. I don't want Star Trek to be like Rick and Morty. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, why would you think that a Star Trek fan would want a fucking Rick and Morty Star Trek show? Like, ironically, some people are saying that's the best thing that they've done because uh, Discovery is so bad. Discovery is super polarizing. Like, it's generally. From what my investigation on the Star Trek fan base, it's hated. Some people think lower decks. I've, n- I've not watched an episode. I agree. Yeah, Dave, that's, like, that's like saying you know, uh, you know, getting stabbed isn't as bad as getting no, shot. I know. I know, I know. And you know, I, look, I'm not saying it's great. You know, also, I, look, honestly, Rick and Morty does Rick and Morty perfectly. I don't, I'm not sure I needed Star Trek. You know, and like, I, I just, I'm just confident that they're not going to be anywhere near as good as Rick and Morty. I know what they're trying to do. Also, um, what's his name on the Orville? You know, Seth MacFarlane has done it much better. You know, like he's knocked it yeah. out of the park. Like, so it's well, that's it, what I know. feel like the animated show should have been. I actually think the idea of a cadet style animated show mm. of like lower ranked people and maybe the shit that they got to deal with. Like, you remember when both DC and Marvel had this idea of like the people that have to deal with the aftermath of a massive yeah, like damage control and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, something about that could be entertaining. It could be fun. Of like, what do the 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 lower ranks, you sure. know, yeah, would are doing? What happens when there's a big and, and the parts of the ship are exploding, but you're only focusing on the people on the deck? You know what I mean? Yeah. What what do they? What goes through their minds? Whatever. You could have a little bit of fun with it, but it doesn't. It can't be that sort of. It can't be that irreverent. Rick and Morty yeah. style of humor because that's not Star Trek. It has to be. I'm sorry to say, it has to be a little bit more highbrow humor. Yeah, and believe you me, I'm a Rick and Morty fan. I love Rick and Morty. It's bananas, fucking crazy. It's one of the craziest shows. Like there is no way that the Lower Decks would be as insane as Rick and Morty. It'll be a pale fucking comparison, I bet. You know? Yeah, but even yeah, but even that pale, I'm just saying, is still not the right direction for. No, but but, but what, I'm, what I'm trying to say, it'll be a cheap fucking knockoff. You know, yeah, like, that's, that's what I'm trying to say here. Like, others are doing it far better. And across the road, Seth MacFarlane has done it so much fucking better with the awful. Like, you know, that's because well, he actually cares about Star Trek. He, no, he, he does. He, he, he gives a Star shit. Trek. He gives a shit about it. And, and he, he tweaked that show around and, and, and stuff. And I, and I think it's a very good show, like, honestly. And, I mean, it, it, it owes an enormous, um, you know, debt or whatever you want to call it to... Star Trek, the original Star Trek, like, you know, a next gen, like, it's a, it's like an homage, and, you know, I think it's very good, basically, and it's so much better than the Star Trek shit that they're pumping out at Paramount, like, it's just, it's almost embarrassing that, that someone else who is a fan, and obviously very talented himself, like, don't get me wrong, he's talent, very talented, and then he's gone, I'm going to do my own thing here, and it's going to be obviously modelled on, and... And he's he's captured it really is you know much better than um whoever's running Star Trek I have no idea who it is but whoever they are is doing a terrible fucking job. Um, now Richard, this was funny. So when I got that um you know recently I got that PlayStation Plus and I was like yeah, so I was on PlayStation Plus and I you know remember I was playing all that Baldur's Gate remember? 
mm-hmm. and I was just all about Baldur's Gate. And then I got a bit tired, to be honest. It was a bit, it was a bit too draining on me. So I, I taking a break from Baldur's Gate. And then the other day, it was only about a week ago. Feels like about five years ago. I saw Assassin's Creed Odyssey was sitting there, you know, as part of my package. And it's the one I haven't played. I, I played all of Origins. And we all know I played Valhalla like to death. And I was like sitting there looking at it, and I'm like, okay, downloaded it. Oh, I might have a go. Michelle's been away this week. I have been like some sort of crack addict, like who's discovered, like some crack addict who's been off the drug for like about a year and thinks they're all cured and shit. And then he's come across just like a stash. And I've just gone so fucking hard on this game, man. It is so fucking good. Also, it is so much like Valhalla that it's just like playing Valhalla but in a Greek, you know, sort of version, which I'm loving. And, man, like, I, 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 the other night, my, my eyes are bloodshot from how much I've been playing Rich. Like, I've been pulling late nights and I was, I was playing this game and, my, my, and I, I get this thing sometimes with my eyes when I'm, um, they get a bit dry and I sometimes, it's like, it's not tears, but it's, it, it, it's it, I get a discharge of water, like my eyes are all fucked up. And I was, and I said to myself, you know, I go, this is the greatest fucking game ever. And I was like, I, I, it's so fucking good, man. Like, I, I just can't put into words just how fucking good this game is, how absorbing, how big. It's so much better than Mirage. Like, all these fucking people who were like, I want it to be smaller. Fuck you, people. I want it to be bigger. And, and this is a game. It feels bigger than Valhalla, actually. It actually feels bigger than Valhalla. And also, can I say this? Cleverly, they've done it so they're very similar. So that the Valhalla player who comes to play Odyssey... And I was like, I don't know if I'm in the mood for Greek stuff. Dude, you can even dress like the fucking Valhalla guy. You know, so it's like, well, what's the difference? And it's ten out of ten, man. Like, I, I, and I've got to be honest. Like, you, you can't see it, but I'm, I'm giving you my fake shocked expression. Oh, dude! Like, you know, everyone's always like trying to put people down for liking Assassin's Creed, like for some reason. But the way they make the games, man, it's like you can just slide in to the to the fucking seat, and you're just in it, and yeah. You know, man. I agree with you. There's some people that literally can eat McDonald's every single day of their life. Man, I'm never playing... Get, and never get sick of it. Well, I took a break because I, I finished Valhalla and I needed a break, but I've come in... Dude, it's so good. And, and you're going around um, Greece and in the waters, like the Aegean Sea, etc., um, you know, beating up on boats, and, like, Sparta and Athens are fighting this big war. And my guy's just a dominator. And you can even dress like the guy in Valhalla, man. Like, they've got the northern... Okay, so I'll, I'll give you... I'll, I'll have a question for you, Dave. What? Let's, let's just go to the last 18 months, okay? Last 18 months. 18 months, yeah. What games have you played in the last 18 months? Me? Um, yeah. Assassin's Creed Odyssey, um, Valhalla, uh, Witcher 3, Baldur's Gate 3, um... I can't remember if there's any others. Uh, a bit of Spider-Man, which I enjoyed. Um, mm. Cyber, what's it called? Cyberpunk 2077. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty, I mean, there's probably others, but they're my main ones that I'm thinking of to my head. Mm. But have you noticed that the games that you play kind of have a very similar through line? No. Uh, what do you mean? Well, obviously Assassin's Creed. You know, but even Assassin's Creed, Witcher, Spider-Man, 
the the type of game is very similar. So it's yeah. a bit of a big open world, a lot yeah. of a little shit to keep fucking do to keep you busy, <laughs> you know, traveling around, doing little side quests and all that sort of shit. And obviously yeah. a story. But, but would you say that, that yeah, 90% of the games you play well, have that similar, I similar you, style? I, yes, I agree. And I tell you something yeah. I, I like in Assassin's Creed, the fucking map system. Like, because there's none of this fucking around. You know, like, where's the story going? I know where to go. It tells me where to go. You know, and I can, and I can, I enjoy getting my horse and fucking dominating. Point, Dave. The reason you don't have a problem with Assassin's Creed is because <laughs> that's the type of game you like. That is your favorite type of game. <laughs> yeah, right. Probably. Is now, yes. Once in a while, you'll you'll grab that Mortal Kombat and oh, you know, yeah, Mortal Kombat, sort of Street Fighter. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And that that's your ten percent. That sort of sure fits outside of that. But for others like myself, mm. we. I, I like to play a variety of games, and I just find that if I've played one Assassin's Creed game, I don't really feel like I need to play another one. I, they they are similar. They are similar. I will say that. Um, I, what I will I, say I, is... I, I, the, the, as a developer, I, I actually fucking love Nintendo, right? Mm. The reason I love Nintendo is because there's very few Mario games that actually feel the same. Yeah, they do variety. You know what I mean? Like, if uh, if you go play Mario 64, if you play Mario Sunshine, uh, Mario Galaxy, then Mario Odyssey, very, very different. You know, um, the only one that probably is a little bit similar is if you play Luigi's Mansion. Kind of very similar. You just run around with a vacuum cleaner. But look at the, <laughs> the Zelda <laughs> games, right? That's funny. Zelda games are very different from, yeah. from each other, whether it be the art style, the, the sort of type of game it is. Um, they they love innovating, and they'll even innovate with their top tier characters. You know what I mean? They'll mm. even go, "Well, we just want to make a slightly different Mario game." You know what I mean? Like, yeah, a lot a lot of people Mario Sunshine, you ran around with like this fucking jetpack, you know, water gun kind of thing, and people are like, "Oh, it's like yeah," but it's because they like to innovate. They like to yeah try new things, new gameplay types. That's my issue with a lot of companies, and the, at at the tippy top is Ubisoft. <laughs> it is they don't want to deviate yeah no i i, I think you know you, you're not wrong you're not you, you're right actually the other the game that i also like is doom i just find it very exhausting i love it but it, it takes a lot out of me i, I find you're right I, yeah, I, you don't play a lot of first person shooters though i don't you know I mean? but i but like, i enjoy them when i do you know yeah but w when you do it's the odd one but it's not like you're like oh man i play like 50 first person shooters a year and no. i play 18 oh, rpgs no. and i play no. like you i would say the vast majority of your stuff is things like uh, is open world rpgs it is yeah i, I, think, I think it's safe to say that's your that's your comfort that's your your yeah, zone enjoyable, yeah and that's where you play the most of your games whereas again me i you know what i mean i just finished the the most recent Pokemon, uh, uh, Scarlet and Violet. Um, yeah. I've also I, I'm, I've just been playing Mario versus Donkey Kong, which is the new. That sounds fun. Uh, it's a little sort of like puzzle platformy sort yeah. of game and all that. But then I'm also waiting for the Elden Ring DLC. To oh, come Elden out. Ring's the other game I've played. I loved Elden Ring. It's so no, no, fucking hard. Still a bit more open world RPG. Oh yeah, but that's can I say as little side quests as possible though. Like there oh, isn't really much it fills. Also, can I say this? I, I really, really, really like that game. That is a yeah. hard game compared to my Assassin's Creed. And 
and I found that was very challenging. Yeah. I, I am going to go back and finish that, but um, yeah, that's a but cool I'm, like, I guess that's my point. Like when I finished Elden Ring, mm. I didn't go and look for the next game that was like Elden Ring. I was like, Whew, I need to take a break. I want to play sure. a different type of game. Yeah, and then I went and played a completely different type of game. You know what I mean? Whereas I think you kind of would be like, oh, I just finished this Assassin's Creed. Time to step into the next Assassin's Creed. Well, you know what I mean? Like, in my defense. You're happy with more of the same. In my defense, what I what I tend to do is, because, I, you know, I time is limited. I um I will play a game like an Assassin's Creed and, and I will really try to finish it, you know, because I, I, I really try to, you know, because I've got that, like, ADD thing where, you know, so I, I like Mirage. I went and finished Mirage pretty successfully. Finished it, completed it, did it. Didn't love it actually. Uh, put it down, and I took a bit of a break. Some of it in force because I was away on work and stuff. So I, for about three weeks, I really didn't play any game other than a bit of Street Fighter, which was a couple of because I find that also fun but exhausting. So I'll, I'll play for like half an hour, forty five minutes, and that's enough. But what happens is my batteries recharge slowly. And then I'm like, you know, but but like I know myself and I saw Assassin's Creed Odyssey sitting there. And I was like, can I just handle one sweet little taste? And you know what it was? <laughs> it was like the fucking Tony Montana in Scarface when he buries his head into the cocaine. That was how, that was like, I'm, yeah, you, you're right. I think what, if I paid some credit to Ubisoft, the fact that Odyssey and Valhalla are so similar that I almost wouldn't even know it was a different game. You know what I mean? Like, and that actually works for me because I haven't played Valhalla in, like, say, six months, so I kind of miss it. So when I came in to play this, I was like, yeah, this is really... They're really like each other. Like, they're very mirrored, whereas Mirage was a bit more... They were trying to go for a throwback style to the original Assassin's Creed. It was fun, but it felt very much like the first game, like you're in one city. Yeah, I feel like that would bother me. I would, I would hate to feel like <laughs> playing as a Spartan and playing the playing as a Viking feels no different. Yeah, well, doesn't worry me, man. Like to be honest, I prefer the Viking. You know, so my guys <laughs> kind of kitted out. Like, I don't know. It, 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 it it's weird. Because you're right, I am a massive victim of their marketing and their not just their marketing, how they design their game. It is very addictive, you know. Like, and it's fun as well. I must admit, I do find it fun. It's also not, it's challenging, but not too challenging, if you know what I mean. So, um, I'll be honest with you. So, I did actually try and play Odyssey. Mm. You remember me sort of complaining about it, and I'll be honest with you, I gave it two days, mm. and then I was utterly bored. I was just so like I'm fucking I, I'm really bored. I just yeah. I feel like I don't I feel like there's just so much. There's a lot. And it's and it's so repetitive that I've just gone I just I don't care. <laughs> like, no, I, I get I it, just... man. I know I get it. It's it to me it's kinda of the meat and potatoes of my gaming. You know, like it's it's like I enjoy it, it's fun. Uh, I, I do get bored of it. Like I, I, I don't play twenty four seven, but like I'll play I find it very addictive, and then I'll be like, "Okay, I need a break," you know, and I'll put a movie or something on, and and then it's like that. that it's like a fucking addict. Then I start getting that fucking gnawing need, <laughs> and I'm just like, "Come on, Dave, just put a couple of our quick hours in here." And then four hours later, my eyes are all red, and I'm just like all fucked up. 
Um, <laughs> it's 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 crazy, man. Like, well, I will say this: I do think because I bought. I remember when the first Assassin's Creed game came out, and I was so excited for that game. Like, it was one of those. For some reason, it was one of those rare moments where I was like in touch with fucking pop culture, and and I must admit. I didn't finish it, and I enjoyed it, but I but I also suffered, I think, at times from, you know, inability to concentrate at times and, like, on one thing. And, like, although I enjoyed it, it was I, I abandoned it. Years later, I did go back and finish it. But I just... I honestly feel they've come so far. Like, I remember when I put Origins on, I was, like... I was amazed by the graphics. And, and when I'm playing... Um, this one, Odyssey, on the big TV, I must admit, I'm like, fuck, this looks incredible. Like, every now and then, I'm just like, man, I just love how detailed it all is. Like, that's one of the things I love about it, like, how detailed it all is. Yeah, I know the gameplay is repetitive. Yeah, well, of course it is. But, you know, and it is hilarious how you whistle for the people. Like, there was this, there were these two guys walking, <laughs> walking, literally um, behind, one, one in front, one behind, and and I, they knew I was kind of in the grass somewhere because I kind of sniper shot it with somebody and and but they were like you know doing that thing where they're like he's got to be around here somewhere and I'm whistling and he's like oh, you better go check that out. The guy came up to me, I assassinated him stealth assassin, dragged him into the bush and I assumed his mate who was right behind him would have seen me, which is what normally happens. But the guy didn't see me. I'm like, how could you possibly have missed it? Like, <laughs> like someone grabbed your friend standing in front of you, killed him in the bush. And then, and the, yeah, and then the guy, he wandered down to the end of the, you know, lane and then wandered back and I killed him. Um, but, like, the graphics of it, I must admit, I, I'm just, I'm always like, man, I can't believe how good this looks. You know, and I know it can get better, but I, I, I what I'm trying to say is, surely they share some of the development teams? Because surely they're, they're sort of taking stuff from the previous game? Because... Odyssey and Valhalla are pretty close in levels of quality. It's not like you're playing Valhalla going, this is light years above Odyssey in terms of stuff. Do you know what I'm trying to say, Rich? No, of course it's the same guys. I mean, it's okay. the same team that makes the game. But how do they churn it out so fast? That's what I don't understand. Like, how come some people, like, take forever to make a fucking game, like GTA? Like, an, an Assassin's Creed can pump and churn, you know? Oh, because um, some companies actually care about the quality of the games. <laughs> well, anyway, at least I'm happy, Rich. At least I'm look. Happy. I, look, the, here's the thing, though, Dave, and and this is, I guess, the difference between Ubisoft and and, and whatever is that, like, yeah, they they make a beautiful world, mm. but they don't fill it with compelling shit to do. Yeah, like I, I'm sorry, but like. Yeah, it, it looked beautiful, and don't get me wrong, I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to play it was because I saw some some videos of, like, you know, Athens and yeah. and Greece and all that. I was like, man, it looks really fucking beautiful. And I'm not going to... And I'll never sit there and say that Ubisoft don't make good-looking games. Sure. Right? And and it looks fantastic. The problem is, is the world is kind of empty of I know interesting mean. things to do. There's a lot of just go here and do this, kill this, and then come back and... You know, there's a lot of that. There's a, you know, it's, it has a formula, like, big time. Like, it's like, go to this fort, and, and I enjoy it, but it's it's almost like, um, sometimes I don't like it because, it, like, I finish a day at work, you know what I mean? If I've been, you know, we've been really busy at work, 
and you know, you're churning and burning on all these calls and fucking emails and stuff, and you get to the end of the day, the last thing I feel like doing is Assassin's Creed's checklist, you know, because Assassin's Creed is very much like tick this box, tick this box, tick this box, tick that box, do this, do that, do this. So mm-hmm. sometimes after a day at work, that's the last thing I want to do. So I'll just throw a show on or something because you'll let my re- let my brain relax. But like any addict, man, then suddenly it's two a.m. and I'm thinking <laughs> I've got to get back in that boat. You know, I've got to get back in that boat, start fucking crushing some ships and blah blah blah. So it's 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 interesting. Like I will say this: they have successfully fed us a formula which has addicted a certain percentage of the gaming population, and I guess that's how they stay in business. You know. They've got us. Yeah, but I do think that it's, it is diminishing returns, though. You reckon? Um, well, that's why they're trying new things. That's why they tried Mirage. Like, yeah, I don't think you go and make a Mirage if Valhalla is this massive success. Well, Valhalla was a huge success, but no, 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 no. Okay, Dave. Hmm. There's yeah, you might look. You know, you might turn and go, "Oh, wow, my God, the game made two hundred million dollars! Mm. What a what a massive success!" And they might turn and say, "Oh, oh, oh yeah, it was really great. It sold two hundred million. We're not going to tell you that it probably cost us two hundred fifty million dollars to make the game." Sure. Like that's the thing. You, uh, unless there's a leak, yeah, yeah, you know, like with the Sony shit, you don't actually know how much money. Oh, so yeah. when they tend to start laying people off, and you go, "Well, that's weird. This game sold two hundred million. It's supposed to be really." But here they are laying people off, and mm. you know, and and looking for buyers and selling their same. Well, then you have to admit, okay, well maybe it may have sold well in our eyes, but not to what they spend in in money or yeah, the, what they need to make the for these beautiful yeah. games that they make. Mm. It's a lot of money to make a game look that beautiful. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Completely agree. I mean, and also Mirage very much felt like a sort of budget, uh, sort of version, and a sort of, a sort of like a trend, like a sort of in between. Like we don't have a full game, but we're going to give this one to you. Which it definitely felt like that they had had tried to cut corners and save money on that. Like it, it by no means, like yeah, they wanted to see if they could make a cheaper game. Yeah, and make the same amount of money. And if not, then they'll be like, oh, shit, what do we do now? And use the formula, which has worked so well for them. And just, I mean, look, I mean, it's it's obvious when, you, when you're playing Odyssey. I think that's part of it because I played Mirage. And although I enjoyed it, I was always thinking, man, why is this so small? I kept thinking that the whole time. Like, it's so fucking small. And now that I'm playing Odyssey and it's enormous, you know, and, and I'm like, this is what I want. But, yeah, no, I, I agree with you, man. Like, I mean, only the... Only the accountants and will know exactly how much. I also wonder if they're sharing some of that cost. You though, make a lot to make though. Again, their their games are so. Mm. Again, the games are super beautiful. There's a lot of detail in the games. A lot of voice acting. I don't think their games are cheap to make, man. Oh no, they're not. They're not. They're not. And I, I, I and it's why it's filled with so many microtransactions mm. and service stuff because I'm. I think they're like. We need to make so much money yeah. to recoup yeah. um, what we've spent on these games. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? That's- that is why we get, I th- honestly, I think it's why we're getting so many really gorgeous AAA games with all this live service shit in it, like oh, yeah. all these like microtransactions. It's because they're like, we need to make even more money because technically we probably should be charging $200 for this game. Yeah. But we can't, so we're going to fill it with uh, with microtransactions just to try and make some extra money. 
yeah to to make sure we make a profit uh, and that I, again that needs to be looked at because um if that's the case then as I, said, I mean as i said i mean i'm a big nintendo fan i don't really i, I love nintendo none of their games are fucking mm. requiring anything more than a potato to run it on so i don't know yeah no i i hear man and, and like i will say this i am cheap and i never spend any money on the um i mean i will buy the downloadable um missions you know when they come out but it, but even them I, I i get them on um discount but but i was actually glad that with odyssey it was included as the playstation plus um and valhalla is now back as well so valhalla for some reason wasn't on there maybe it was speaking of which I, I saw a game on um game pass that just came out that made me think of you mm, what is it dead, dead island 2 oh yeah wow i love yeah, the first one just that just came on game pass and i was like oh that made me think of dave <laughs> dude um have you played it no, no, no! I didn't like the I didn't like the Dead game. Oh, I love the first one. Fuck me! I know you did. Oh Jesus! Did you into the other one, Dying Light? I think. I love that game too. That's my other thing. When, when I, that's my other side, the zombie games. Ah, <laughs> uh, I like zombie games, but generally only the Resident Evil games. Oh, dude! No, I I like um, Dying Light was was one of my all time favorite games, and and even the expansion pack. I've not played Dying Light two. I own it. I just haven't really played it. I will say this: it wasn't n- so much the gameplay that turned me off Dead Island, the first game. Mm. It was the terrible characters and voice acting. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't perfect. I enjoyed the game though. I, I, I didn't even think the voice acting was mediocre. I thought it was awful. <laughs> I used to love that game though, like driving around and fucking beating up zombies. Like, I don't know, man. That's that's a whole other thing. I do love my zombie games, but I'm taking a bit of a break from that, you know. But um, but you know me, I'll come back to it. Uh, game franchises you and I both used to like, and I kind of fell off. I don't know if when you fell off, if you fell off, was the uh, uh, Dead Rising. Played them all, loved them all. Mm. Played them all, man. One, two, three, I, and four. I played them up until I think the third one, and then I was kind of like, I think I'm done with this now. Dead, Dead Rising Four was a disappointment. Um, they'd sort of cut costs on that one. It was a bit smaller, but I played them all. Oh no, I love those games, man. I love those games. Gee, my favorite was probably Dead Rising Two, and Three was also awesome. I love Three as well. Um, original's good, uh, but Two and Three were just fantastic. Well, well I like is that came out. That was the a launch on the new console, and there was yeah. a lot of zombies on the screen for that, like in the oh, streets yeah. and shit. And oh yeah, and get and then being a mechanic, and you can make these cool vehicles awesome. and just fucking was awesome. Crush them. Yeah, no, a, actually, I, I you're right. Three was probably my favorite. Actually, now that I think about it, like I love two, but three was next level. Um, oh man, I was greedy though. I, I remember I said to Michelle, like, you know, they they gave you the city, but it was small. And I was used to GTA Five, and I said to Michelle, "Why can't it just be all of GTA Five? And she was just like, "You're so fucking addicted to this shit, like, <laughs> you, you know." Like I was complaining. She's like, "You've been playing this game for weeks, and you're complaining." I'm just like, "I just need more, you know. It's not big enough." She's like, "It's too big." <laughs> um, now, Madam Web discussion. Uh, I did a show <laughs> with Phil and Ray. Apparently, it's just woefully bad. Um, and you are right, Rich. It was only in Ezekiel's dream that you see them in costume. Mm-hmm. Now, 
Box office. It took $51 million during the first five days, but only half of that is US. When are you and Tash going to watch this masterpiece? No, we've not seen it. Only half of that is US <laughs> domestic. It was beaten by Bomali, which made $80 million during the same time, which also is not meant to be a great movie. Week 2 update was a, was a super bomb. Right higher than fucking Madam Web. Yeah. Week 2 update was it was a super bomb. Only $6 million domestic in its second weekend. Thus far, the worst performing Spider-Man universe film ever, at least until Craven the Hunter, which is only six months away. And can I uh, say... I reckon that's going to be another shit movie too. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and not just shit. I also think it's going to be a financial bomb. Um, I, 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 I think Craven may be like, hold my beer. I can go even lower. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, because uh, this, this Madame Webb fiasco, like, no one's defending this movie. It, well, the problem the, the problem with Sony, right, is when Marvel's not involved. I, I'm sorry, but do, don't you think their movies feel like they come right out of the fucking 90s, early yeah. 2000s yeah, of yeah. superhero oh, yeah. movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But what, what, what surprises me is, like, they can see what worked. Like, like they, they're seeing the same movies we all are. So how are they getting it so wrong? And, and like, so wrong. Like... You know, that's that's what that's what I find. It's like it's done on purpose, eh? What, what did you say? It's almost like it's been done on purpose. Yeah. Well, a lot of speculation is they're putting just no thought into it. They're just trying to keep the license going, and they need to pump out a certain amount of films and stuff. So, to to retain the character rights and blah blah blah. But yeah, possible. Yeah. Look, it was terrible. Um, I'm going. I'm going to wait till streaming now. It's just too bad for me to bother. And with the financial bomb that it is, it'll be out on streaming inside a month. I think. Mm. No, I don't but think. It's can, but but can I just say this? This is. I think we've had this conversation before. Mm. This is the problem with the superhero movies, right? In general, mm. you've got all these great villains, right? Mm. Especially someone like Spider-Man, right? He's got fantastic villains. Yeah. But because an actor only seems to do like fucking three Spider-Man movies before they're rebooted. You, you you don't really get to get a chance, which is why I'm I'm sorry, but I'm an advocate. I'm I believe stop rebooting, just recast the fucking ca- actors. Yeah, right. Like James Bond, because then everything's canon, and you can get to the other villains. So, you know, the reason that one of the reasons why you've never got a Craven or whatever is because they keep rebooting it, right? Mm. But you could have a Craven in it if you just were like, it's okay. From now on, if you go okay, the Tom Holland one, it's all fucking canon. And when Tom Holland gets too old, we're just going to recast it and continue sure. from there because we want to utilize all the fucking villains yeah. and have the history there. But they won't. As soon as Holland gets too old or doesn't want to do it anymore, they'll just fucking reboot it again and start Probably. again. And you're like, oh, so pathetic. Yeah. I, I remember when, um, I remember quite clearly, actually, when Spider-Man 4 fell apart and they decided they were going to reboot with, uh, Garfield and it was even before they announced who it was going to be and they're going to start it off in high school I, my first thought was excitement and I thought well we can do it a lot more comic booky, and we can have Venom properly and this and that um, I don't know it's it, it's a like I'm sort of half one way half the other I do think that they would be wiser in this incarnation to do what you're proposing because I think the groundwork has been laid pretty successfully or with Tom Holland, so that if at some point he's like, I don't want to be Spider-Man anymore, you could just get someone to step into those shoes without having to... I think they've done a lot of work to build it up, 
you know, that rather than and also okay. You know. So here's the thing I would have done right before I did the multiverse with Spider Man, mm. right? Um, is when his identity got revealed, that the next movie I would have had Craven as the villain, yeah. right? The reason is because like Craven's like now I know who he is. I'm gonna hunt him. Mm. He's gonna be my greatest prey. After he beats Craven, and it's a fu- and, and it's like the, the the books, man. Like it breaks him. Mm. Okay, he is like almost killed by Craven. You know, you can even have the whole Craven taking his life shit. Like you could make it like sure. dark. Yeah. Then he turns in the in the fourth movie. He turns to Doctor Strange and he's like, "I've got to put the genie back in the bottle. Mm. Like I cannot go through that shit again. I need to. I need to be like." Uh, well, like brainwashed. I have my secret, you know, I need to have my secret identity again. I can't, it can't be made public, blah, blah, blah. And then you could have the whole, you know, that movie and you can have the two other Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Like, mm. because now he's, he's had this, like, this, this, like, th- this, like, defining near-death experience. Sure. That drives him to say, I, I don't care. You need to do magic to put the fucking genie back in the box. Like, I literally don't even care about the dangers. Mm. I can't live like this. Whereas I just feel like they rushed too, too quickly to that. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, they definitely rushed it. I, I yeah. My thinking when he's identity, I was like, oh, now you can have fun with the next villain. Yeah. And the next villain could have been, in my mind, could have been Craven because now Craven knows who he is. Mm. He could take loved ones hostages to force him to, you know, take part in the hunt blah 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 like that would have been to me the perfect time to introduce Craven. yeah no you're not wrong man um look i'm still hopeful about spider-man i i don't think he's the big problem i i just think the mishandling like to me all these female spider women and stuff family or whatever you want to call them i think could have been an entertaining movie i like there's plenty of good characters there they just made a really bad movie and it's not the first time they've done it morbius was also really bad um and just yeah, half- I, I honestly don't believe you can have a Spider-Man cinematic universe with what they have. Like, I just don't believe you can. Well, I think if you'd had Spider-Man, Spider-Man and Venom sort of movie franchise with the two of them, but I don't think you could have a whole connected fucking universe with because because it's too many Spider people with the same type of powers. No, I it's know. Kind of- well, I would have I would have um, used Spider-Man as well. And and so would have built him into the storyline. I think his absence hurts as well. No, but you know what? I think they were too scared because they were like, I think they were like, this is probably going to bomb. Yeah. We better keep Spider-Man out of it yeah. because if it's going to be a massive joke and a bomb and we put Spider-Man in, yeah. it's going to be tainted. <laughs> yeah. I know. Whereas with this, they can just wash their hands of it. It's all a prequel as well. I don't know if you knew that. Um, yeah, I said to you that it was. I said okay. it, it's a prequel, but you couldn't even tell by looking at it that it's a prequel. No, no. So, anyway, now this was hilarious. This was on Twitter. Uh, are you familiar with um? You you're familiar with Critical Role, aren't you? The podcasting D and D guys, whatever they. Yeah, are. Yeah, 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 the idiots. Yes. Yeah. So I got this tweet came up, and it was like I didn't even know who it was. It was one of the Critical Role people, and she was like bemoaning the state of the world. Basically, she was just, she was, was doing. Bailey? Was it Laura Bailey? Uh, I don't know who it was. Um, I don't know any of them, to be honest. Um, so, but uh, but I, I saw them because they're voice actors. So Danny, I'm very Danny familiar with Carr. Them. Ah, yeah, okay. Whoever that is. So she was like, "I am so angry. I am so tired." This was this is apropos of nothing, by the way. I am so angry. 
I am so tired. There is not enough rage. There is not enough. <laughs> there is not enough rage. There is not enough compassion. I try so hard to focus on the beauty, on the positive, but my heart is sick and hurting, and I don't know what else there is to do except scream. Cease fire now. Justice now. Rage now. So I mean, you got to remember. I don't even. I don't. Especially wants rage. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I know. Um, okay. Cease fire now. Rage, no justice now. Rage now. I, like so, I read that. I had. I was like, firstly, I don't even know who Danny Carr is. I, I just read that. and I was like, whatever. And, and then I saw all these people chiming in, and so then I did my research and realised she's from Critical Role, and it's something to do with Palestine and Israel. So, well, you know, straight away a highly inflammatory topic, and <laughs> one guy wrote ceasefire, then rage. Which side are you on? Um, hmm. Anyway, and so. Apparently what it was, and this is what fucking annoys me, is all these fucking whining bitches out there who are fans of Critical Role were whinging and whining apparently because Critical Role, apparently Richard has a responsibility to solve the Middle East peace uh, crisis. And um, Are you a celebrity though? But, well, they were like, I, I can't believe you guys haven't put out a statement till now. I was like, what the fuck a Critical Role going to do about the Palestine... Israeli no, conflict. No, 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 Dave. You know what the problem is? <laughs> is fans today mm. want their idols yeah. to so, say, I believe everything you believe. How you feel is how I feel. Let me validate you. Yeah, but like this is this is a conflict that, you know, is very inflammatory. <laughs> they just want the, they just want their idols to say I agree with we you. We agree with you. You're the right person. Yeah, anyway. we are the right people. You are you are great because we think like you, and we believe. But, but that's almost impossible with something like. And I certainly have my views on the fucking conflict, which will come as no surprise to listeners. But I recognise that it's a super inflammatory. So one guy. So anyway, so so I wrote to this one fucking loser, who was just having a big old cry about critical role not putting out a statement before now, and I was like, what do you want them to do? Like, seriously, like, what the fuck are these, like, losers on Critical Role, these stoner wannabe actors, like, who have this D&D podcast which is blowing up? Like, in what way do you think they're going to influence anything? Like, it's... it's Again, I don't think it's the influence. It's, it's, people have told them that they're wrong, and they're like, no, you need to come out and say this so that I can say, see, I'm not wrong. This celebrity thinks like I think. And yeah. they believe what I believe. So I'm not the one that's in the wrong. You are. Like, I, I, that's what I believe it is at yeah. the end of yeah. the day. Yeah. So this they just one, validation that they're right. This one guy wrote, at this point, it's beyond ceasefire. We need Nuremberg-level trolls for those inciting and carrying out this genocide. And I wrote, nice idea. Let's start with the fucking terrorists who initiated it. <laughs> no responses. Yeah. <laughs> I got one like. But my point is, I, I, I have my strong views. I, we've always run you know, a pro-Israeli podcast. But I recognise that it's an inflammatory topic and I recognise that, and at the end of the day, arguing about Middle East peace and Middle East situation and stuff, it's a never-ending story. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, 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 you could stay up all night debating it. Well, I'm pretty sure that it's been going on since before I was born. No, no, that, but that's will, what I'm saying. It'll I, probably be going on long after I'm dead. And, and unfortunately the causes of it are not easily solved and it is a 
generational conflict that will just drag on. It'll be there in 20 years. It'll be there in 50 years if we don't blow ourselves up before then. So I recognise that. Even though I have my own personally strong opinions on the whole topic, I totally recognise that. What I don't understand is, like, this weeping and crying, um, if they don't come out and sort of say the Israelis are all in the wrong. Like, it's, it's like a big fucking deal for these people. Like... Uh, and also, I'll never understand, and I'll say this now, I never understand how the fucking, fucking Hamas g- getting a free pass on this for some reason by large sections of the media. That that, that amazes me, you know? Like, Well, I, I can't tell you why in today's yeah. current climate yeah. because one of the party look brown and the other party look white. Right. And that, that's for a lot of these... Um, yeah. People that are screaming and, and carrying yeah. on who, who don't really know anything about yeah. you know, geopolitical whatever, they base it on a superficial of, oh, hang on, <laughs> they look brown, they look wow. white. Wow. Well, that's, and that's it. And, and that's, as, that's as deep as they look into it or, or, yeah. or want to know about that's it. They a just really, go, brown, good, white, bad. That's a really superficial way to look at such a complicated yeah, topic. No, it is. It's a very nuanced thing, you know. I'm, you know Super it's, nuanced. Like, it, it's and not, also, it's not, a, it's also, not black and white, that's for it's sure. Not, no, it's not black and white. And it, it, uh, unfortunately, it's... Well, some it's, areas are going to be black and white. Some areas are going to be grey. Again, it's nuanced. Uh, unfortunately, it's a situation where it's not about just picking a side. It, you've also got to back a side in, you know, and... I, I'm, I get the feeling like some of these... Like, there's no way... You, if you had a group of 10 people in a room, I, I would say it's almost impossible you'd get a 10-nil um, agreement on the Middle East-Palestinian-Israeli conflict. I, I actually... You, depending on the room, you might get a, a big majority. But you know what I mean? It's not one of those topics where it's like you're going to get unanimous. So it, that's why I, I, I got into... I used to... You know, because I have my own very strong opinions on topic, but but I've always kept it to myself a little bit, especially, you know, uh, what I'm trying to say is there's no, I don't know how many people are in critical role, but there's a pretty likely chance that they're divided on the topic. Not that I think their opinion matters, like, by the way, like, or they owe the fans to say anything, but do you know what I mean? Let's say there's 10 people in critical role. I, I reckon it's not going to be 10 nil, you know? Like... At all, and what the fuck kind of statement are you going to put out? Oh, we 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 support Hamas. Well, what kind of statement is that? Are you fucking kidding? Like you'll get backlash on that statement. Do you know what I mean? Like you're getting what I'm trying to say is you're getting backlash on whatever side of the fence you are on that topic. So, it in some ways for them it's wiser to say nothing, you know. And and these fans, like well, these fans, are like we want you to put a statement. There's a good chance they put out a statement that a large percentage of their fan base will fucking hate, you know. I oh yeah, I, I mean that's that, that goes with so, I, I mean again, I just don't get it. I, it's, it's I don't know. I, I, I'll be honest, I don't pay too much attention to that shit because it's again, it's. Oh, it, it, it's, it's not that I don't care. It's just that like. Yeah, it'll be there. It's it's, it's it's not gonna you know. It's not gonna resolve. It's not it's not gonna resolve itself in the next week or month or whatever. And I just you know what I mean. I'm not as nasty, but I mean I just don't really have. Yeah. time to sort of spend that much time sort of getting involved or letting it sort of run my life. That's what politicians and, and you know, peace brokers are paid to do and, mm. and, and people, it's not my job to do that. Sure. You know, it's not my job I, to spend I, my I, fucking time thinking about how, how problems in the Middle East can be solved. I, I've, I've always had an interest in it. 
So part of no, the, it's fine. If, yeah. no, if someone's got an interest in what I'm saying, but I'm just saying, like, I think everyone just needs to calm down and and realize that this is not this is not a um, that it's it's not something to um, it's not something to let rule your life right now because. It, one, you don't live in that country. It yeah, really yeah. doesn't affect you, mm. most people. Yes, obviously, if you've got family or you've got people, whatever, and it affects them, obviously. But for the vast majority of people, what's happening is not they're not. It's not affecting their life. Okay, True. and True. I think maybe just go on with your life uh-uh. and let other people mm. who are paid or, or or invested in it to deal with it to deal with it. I will say this though: if you're an Israeli or you know Israelis, it's been affecting their lives for a very long time. So no, that's what I said. Unless yeah. you know someone, but yeah. let's be honest, that's not going to be a vast majority of people that do. No, 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 the world no, no, no. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just saying, like, the, the, I, I really am disliking this thing that weirdly in the Western media to be demonising Israel uh, to the level that they've been doing it in the last, I would say, six months. It's, I think, sickening, frankly, especially considering what actually happened that sparked off this whole incident. Um, which was a you know a mass coordinated bombing attack which killed like plenty of civilians. So yeah, I, but again, the know. problem with like especially in America, which again mm. unfortunately bleeds to some of the other Western countries, is Israel is kind of seen now as um, a conservative ally mm. or a Republican ally, and so therefore anyone on the left or Democratic must be against them. True. Like, honestly, that's literally what it feels like. Oh, true comment, true comment. I will get off the topic, and, and I understand it's a nuanced topic, but I just thought that it was fucking hilarious to me that these morons thought Critical Role was going to say anything of any weight or significance, like, you know. I just love uh, how many LGBTQ plus people are pro. <laughs> it's like... Oh, they're fucking... Uh, one thing I'll say, I don't think Hamas is pro-gay, like... Like, like, yeah, don't I don't even, think they'll show you the same courtesy. Don't even get me started on fucking Hamas. You know what I mean? Like, they, they're, they're literally seeking to destroy a state and, and have been for a long time and are thoroughly embedded. So, yeah, some of these people who apparently have given them a free fucking pass for some reason um, would be suffering. If, if I'd love it if they were on the ground in fucking you know Tel Aviv or something, they they'd be singing a different a different song. I can tell you that much right now. You know, it's it's hilarious yeah. to me how um how forgiving people people can be towards aggressors when they're at a long remove. You know what I mean? And 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 and, yeah. and but but weirdly they're very microaggressive. Like with this shit, where you've got to put a statement out. I think it's rude, to be honest. Um, you've got to put a statement out, or we're going to boycott you. It's like, what the fuck? Like, I've got to put a statement out on things that are in no way connected to me or my brand at all. Uh, I, if I don't put a statement out, you're going to boycott me. Like, fuck off. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I just, I, I'm not even a Critical Role fan, but but I was like, this is ridiculous. I, I do well. <clears throat> In a way, I feel sorry for celebrities, but also I don't feel sorry because just get off X or Twitter or yeah. whatever. In fact, I think if you're a celebrity, just don't yeah. don't get one of these social media apps because the problem is, yeah, it's all fun to interact with your fans and all that, but a lot of your fans are fanatics and yeah. something's going to happen 
and you're either going to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, tweet yeah. the wrong thing, or whatever. And then I just, if you're a celebrity or whatever, just honestly, stay just stay clear of fucking uh, social media. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, I think at the end of the day, it probably does more harm um, to your brand than good. Really, honestly, um, even if it's helped you get there. I, I think sometimes too. I guess the problem for someone like a critical role is that their numbers probably aren't that vast and it's a bit of a cottage industry. So they're making money, um, but they're very dependent on that fan. You know what I mean? They're squeezing that fan base for every fucking dollar they can. You know? Because mm. you know what I'm trying to say? They're not sort of like um, super mainstream. They're pretty big in their space, but it's like they're taxing the fuck out of these fans. So they've got to try to stay on their good side. Um, because they can't afford to lose like thirty percent of their fan base, you know. So it's just funny to me. Like, and, but didn't you love the original tweet from the woman? It's just so fucking <laughs> like it's so it's so overblown. Like, oh, let me type this one from my fucking apartment in Los Angeles. And, you know, like oh, oh, what was it, Rich? It was like ceasefire now, justice now, rage now. It's like. Yeah. What does that mean, love? Can we get any clarity on what well, you're actually... Well, that's the problem. Is just everyone's an, an armchair activist these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so offended. I'm so offended. I just don't know what to do with my life. <laughs> I find that tweet offensive. I find it stupid. What are they called now on X? What? What are tweets called now? I don't know. I have no idea. Hmm. Posts, I think. Yeah. I, I, I'm not actually sure. Posts, I think. I mean, I, I'm on it, and I don't know. I think it's just. Oh close. my god! Did you see? Did, did, you, <coughs> did you see what Elon Musk did the other day? Um, Stephen King turned around. And he said, like, I don't know. He was complaining about like X <laughs> and how he would never call it X, and right. that he'll always call it Twitter. Right. And so Elon Musk tweeted saying, uh, "Hey, Stephen, please don't dead name us. Please respect oh, our transition." <laughs> That's funny. That's, that's actually funny. He's a pretty funny guy, so I know that uh, he's, a, he's a definitely a troll. He's definitely a shit. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he, is. He, he likes to stir the Which pot. Which proves that he's South African. Yeah, he, he likes to stir the pot. And, and why not as well? Like, you know what I mean? Like, fuck off. Like, I will never call it X or the Nickel Twitter. It's like, Steve King, why don't you, you know, you're taking a break from writing your latest fucking mediocre novel, you know? Yeah. <laughs> to, tweet that, to tweet that one out. Um,. Avengers Secret Wars will be five hours long and split into two parts. I am ready for this fucking movie, man. I need this movie. And I hope it's Secret Wars like the comic. You know, with Wolverine. Oh, There's been literally no setup to this Secret War. I don't care. Wow, okay. So just go to a planet. Here it is, Rich. They go to a planet, firstly. On that planet... You bring along. No, I, I just think like uh, you have a lot of faith in them, considering that their last fucking batch of movies have been absolutely well, terrible. There's going to be a rule: no shit characters. Fucking, <laughs> they ain't sticking to that rule for you, buddy. <laughs> Captain Marvel can stay at home. Uh, she'll be leading. She won't be staying at home. She'll be the leader. You know it. Don't even try and convince yourself otherwise, mate. <laughs> You're just lying to yourself. <laughs> Well, apparently Brie Larson was talking about she might be walking away, I heard. Yeah, but they, they need Captain Marvel. That, that's the only time I guarantee you they will um, recast. Yeah. Oh, you think they will? Yeah. Because, one, it's just a white woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
Oh, God, you know who I hope it's not? The black Captain Marvel, because she was a fucking terrible character. Oh, shit, you're right. They may just do that. She may just be like, oh, I'm transferring my powers to you. Little Miss Soul. I've got her powers. I'm now Captain Marvel. That probably would. Actually, you make a fucking really good point. Her main power was whining and sulking through a movie. Oh, that actually might explain why they put her in the movie. Maybe they heard, like, maybe there is some rumblings of her stepping away. So they're like, oh, well, we better put her in the movie so that yeah. when, when we change it to her, people are familiar with the character. Well, 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 there was also a bit of a diversity hire, you know, because, like, let's face it, you know, it was like, oh, you know, like Brie Larson, you know, the movie made a lot of money, but then there were some people going, what about the Black Captain Marvel? <laughs> I was like, you know what? I would love it if Kevin Feige and like Marvel, when they found out that people were like, oh, that's disgusting that you didn't do the first black Marvel. And they went, what do you mean there's a black? You never told me there was a black Marvel. How the f*** did we go with the white one if there was a black one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, the, the actual character in the movie was terrible. Like, just terrible. Like, see, uh, the problem was, it's not so much the acting, what she was given. All she was given was sulking and whining, and mostly just sulking. So it's like, it, it was, she was so much of a third wheel. Like, it was, she was so unnecessary. It was like, it's like, we got Captain Marvel, we got Ms. Bell, and we got the black Captain Marvel. And it was just like, she doesn't do anything the others can't do. Um, she can see light, though. She can see light. Oh, great. So she can look at it. She can really look at it. Wow. Tell, you, tell you if it's if it's dark or if it's if it's. One bright. of the lowest moments in Samuel L. Jackson's career was when he said "Black Girl Magic." Black Girl Magic. I, I felt sorry for Samuel L. during that part. I, I was like, "Did I have that paycheck?" It was was nice and big because it needed to. Because I was I I actually winced. I was like, "Ooh, that's a tough one." Yeah, it was it was pretty bad that movie. Um, so I am excited for Secret Wars. I don't know why. I mean, really, like. You look okay. Look, okay. I'll say this, Dave, which is fair enough. You, I think you're excited about the idea of it. Yeah, I am. Yeah, but sometimes you forget about <laughs> what the reality is. Like you get so wrapped up in the idea. I just like the idea like, of having the whole... perfect idea of what you want it to be, but you forget that they don't care about your well, your, your dream. Couldn't you just you get know, Hulk, Wolverine? Um, Fantastic Four, they were all in the original Secret Wars. I want them to try to stick pretty closely to the original team. Oh, I don't make the Secret Wars, it's going to be the Marvel, it's going to be Doctor Strange, it's going to be Spider Man, uh, female Black Panther, (laughs) female Black Panther. Oh, god, I'd forgotten about her. Uh, it'll be, yeah, yeah, they'll probably if they can get Tom Holland for it, they will, but again, he's kind of. Bit busy now. Surely they'll get him from Holland. Um, I think he actually kind of wants to step away from Spider Man now. I think Um, Mm. probably Probably. wants to do other things. Um, Yeah. Jesus Christ! What else are they even? Was Iron Man? Was Shang Chi will be in it? Oh great! Oh fuck! That Simulu guy. He was annoying. Maybe they'll even bring in one or two of the Eternals. (laughs) Whatever they feel is the most popular females. I I mean characters. I tell you what, dude. If they do that, I may not go see it at all. If they can't give me at least, you know who I you, you know who I need. You know, I'll tell you who I need. I need Wolverine there. If Wolverine doesn't, oh, make they it, might bring Sharon Carter back. I don't mind Sharon Carter. What? Why would she be there? Oh, they just want to have the female captain. <laughs> oh, you mean uh, Agent Carter? But yeah, but as the as the replacement for Captain America, right? 
Okay. So Captain Carter. Well, I'm assuming, well, is Secret Wars going to just be their universe or the multi-universe? I'm sure it'll be multi-man. Yeah, sure so be. they'll probably introduce, yeah, well, they'll probably be Rex Sharon. I think. Oh, I, this is a different Sharon Carter, the one that didn't die. Who knows? But, like, you're not selling it to me with these shit characters. Like, I, I hope. I, I'll, Ooh, I'll, I'll say Kate this down. Bishop will be there. Ms. I like Marvel Kate Bishop. I like there. Kate Bishop. Um, if Moon Knight, they, maybe Moon Knight will, will appear. Well, I wouldn't mind that. Uh, if they brought in Wolverine, I'm going to the cinema to see it. If if Wolverine, uh, I pro- listen, I will even take a bet with you now. Mm. There will be no Wolverine. Let's put a there'll lunch no, on it. There'll be no Ghost Rider in it. I'm not saying Ghost Rider. Let's okay, listeners out there, um, in turn, take a note. We're going to put a lunch on it. I'm saying in what's the movie called? Rich Secret Wars. Yeah. I'm now, so, does this come out before uh, Fantastic Four or after? I think it's after, man. I think it's after. And they've already announced how long it's going to be, and there's going to be two movies, and they haven't even like started anything. They haven't even started Fantastic Four that's supposed to be coming out before it. Fantastic Four. So when's this movie coming out? 2027, 2028? I don't know, man. But, but no, I, I think Fantastic Four comes out before then. Let's let's type it into Google. Avengers Secret Wars. I, they definitely haven't started um, filming on it or anything. It's 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 way out there, man. It's, it's like Kang Dynasty is before that. Which they, which they may be renaming and stuff. Oh, uh, well, see, but th- this may not even happen. 1 anymore. May 2027. So, yeah, it's 2027. Yeah. Well, just remember, kids, Dave is saying Wolverine's going to be in it. And when I say okay, that... No, 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 hang on, hang on. Yeah. No, we have to change because I thought this what? was coming out more recently. They might have the X-Men out by then. Okay, so you're not taking the bet then. You're getting a little bit nervous in your old age, Rich. Oh, I see. Well, it won't be Hugh Jackman Wolverine. I know that. I think it will be. No, no, no. It'll be. If they'll probably have. Look, if they're going to be doing Secret Wars, they're definitely going to have to have the X Men and the Avengers out before that. You would think so, mm. or be introduced in that. It'll be the whatever the new X Men are in Wolverine. Mm. So there's no bet because Rich is no fun anymore. You know. No, I, I, I thought this would be coming out like soon. I thought it would no, be coming out twenty twenty seven, man. And, no, okay, no, well. Fantastic well, four before. To be fair, at twenty twenty seven, I don't even know if that's still going to be a thing. But <laughs> their players may have completely changed by the time the other movies come out and fail as well. Now we had um, some other news. So I watched, I rewatched the two thousand eight Incredible Hulk movie with Ed Norton this week, earlier this week. Entertaining movie. Oh yeah, yeah. No, not a great movie, but entertaining. Now the guy who is the leader, he's teased in the movie. I'd forgotten this. He he, you see his head get really big. The scientist. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, he's coming back in Captain America 4 New World Order. So, not in a Hulk movie. He's coming back in Captain America 4 with um, Sam Wilson. So, the leader's going to be fighting him. Hopefully, the Hulk's in there. Surely, the Hulk's going to have to be in there if the leader's there. Well, doubt it. Why the fuck would you doubt it? Because they probably just want to have the leader. Let's put a fucking lunch on this. I want to bet. All right. I'm, I'm, uh, there's a lunch on I'm saying the Hulk is in New World Order. All right, okay. I say he's not. All right. You're going to be buying me lunch, man. I can feel it. Also, mm. I did some investigative journalism. Harrison Ford is going to be playing General Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah, that is old news. No, it's not old news. We didn't know what it movie is. it was. <laughs> 
did we? What? <laughs> did we I have... did. What are okay. you talking about? I also had a, a bolt of lightning fucking inspiration this week where I realised Thunderbolt Ross is the same name as the Thunderbolts. Wow, okay. Remember that comment? And I said, it's all connected. And I said, no, it's not. It's a coincidence. <laughs> and I said, there's been no coincidence since now, man. Everything's predestined since then, since what went down in the jungle, man. Since we and found... I said, and I said, sure thing, buddy. Since we found the spacecraft, man. You know? Deep in the jungle. No, I don't know. I didn't find any spacecraft. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Are you telling me there's no connection between General Thunderbolt Ross and the Thunderbolts? It's not. The Thunderbolts was... Um, uh, Mac. What was it? The Zemo. Okay. Remember? They were all villains, and he was... Yeah, he yeah. He plan yeah. to Originally. pretend to be... It had nothing to do with... Um, uh, so, are you saying General, General Thunderbolt Ross at no point is involved with the Thunderbolts? It's just a coincidence. Oh, I think at some point, yeah. like a decade... No, no, hang on. A decade later, Red Hulk was on the team. But okay. what I'm telling you is that the formation of the Thunderbolts had nothing to do with Thunderbolt Roth. Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity in the Marvel offices that day. Would have been so... Would have been so so much synergy if that had happened. You know what I mean? If, I, if I'd been there, I'd say, you've got to have General Thunderbolt Roth run it. It's because it's called the Thunderbolts. Well, I'll get it to you. Well, I was going to say, maybe no one even made that connection, really. I, well, I would have. I made it in a fucking second. I made it straight away. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> you say, technically, that character's been around for years, and that's the first time you made the connection. Anyway. <laughs> that's a good point, Rich. Um, but I'd never written out the name General Thunderbolt Ross before. And then I saw it, and then my brain started, the, the, the wheel started turning. You know what I mean? And I tweeted Fair you. Enough. I tweeted you. I texted you, and I was like, I got it, Rich. And you were like, no, Dave, you didn't get it. You're like you're a long way from it, man. <laughs> Missed it by that much. Rich's way of wrapping me up is like, sure thing, buddy. I'm just like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I learned you do not argue with uh, crazy conspiracy theorists. Fair there's enough. no winning. There's no winning. Um, there's, no, there's no path to victory. <laughs> no path to victory. Um, I gave Halo a second chance. Still very underwhelming. The only good moments in this show, and I watch one episode, firstly, it's very confusing, um, is when it's like a shooter and you see the, look, the helmet is such a good look. It's so iconic. Unfortunately, guess what? That is barely a very, has it on. it's barely, and also barely a shooter. There's a lot of standing around just talking. Everyone mm. just, everyone just talking away and it's boring, actually. And I, and I was quite prepared to give it, a few episodes, because I, I, I'd heard they'd retooled the show. Honestly, no thanks. And I don't like the guy who plays Master Chief, and I don't really understand the story, and the whole thing just feels like they've got all this money to spend, and they spent it, and but like what they didn't spend it on was someone to break down scenes. <laughs> you know, they didn't spend any money on that. Um... I sometimes am amazed by how poorly some of these shows that, that are so glossy that, that, that really, you can tell no expense has been spared. And yet somehow the writing is really poor. And also the acting isn't great either, can I say so? The actors they've got are just like, God, I would prefer these people kept their helmets on, you know? Mm. Like, it's just not, like, it's not good. Like, we all criticised and made fun of Wheel of Time. Wheel of Time, 
at least makes sense. You know, um, it's not a great show, but it's watchable. I would say Halo is close to unwatchable. It's expensive and unwatchable. Well, it's certainly not been watched by me. Yeah, well, I gave it one episode because I thought I'm, I'm going to, you know, just, just give it a try. Because I had heard it had been retooled. And I thought, well, but, but like, what I'm amazed by... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Rich. I never played Halo, but I'm aware of it via Xbox. It's a shooter, isn't it? Like, basically. Yeah, it's a first-person shooter. It's a first-person shooter. Thank you. So I imagine it's, like, got some cutscenes and stuff, but at the end of the day, it's a first-person shooter. You know, so... Sure, yeah, yeah. It has cutscenes in between the, the, the levels or the missions or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. I would have thought, though, if you were doing a show, there'd be a ton more battles... In it, you know, so it costs too much money, Dave. Cheaper to have people stand around and just talk about it. Oh, god, it's so boring, man. Like, it's just, it's honestly one of the most boring shows that I've seen. And I, and I won't be giving it any more chances because I, I, I was kind of like, no, it's also on Paramount Plus, which I wasn't sure uh, where it was on. And I, and I actually had Paramount Plus and then I found it on there, but um, yeah, it, it, it feels like a failure, it feels like it's almost like failure to launch. I, I almost hope that they, you know, go away, learn their lesson, and come back, you know, in a few years. Um, I don't know. It makes me nervous about the Fallout show. At least Fallout, I, I think, has more of a sort of a story, I guess. No, I, I, I personally, I think the Fallout show is terrible as well. Does it? Is well, that on? Just a, my opinion. Is that on Amazon? Yes, that's going to be on Amazon. Mm. I, I'm worried about it, man. Like I, I'm, I'm like, because they can. Compl- it, it, it just looks too cheap as well. Like yeah. everything just looks so like you know the problem when they do like a movie and you can just see that they they went to a local desert area. Yeah. Like in America, you mm. know what I mean, and just were like, "Yep, where's the film it here?" And this is the wasteland. You're like, "Yeah, but it just feels like empty desert, man. It doesn't feel like yeah. this is a ruined world." You know, because when you play mm. uh, Fallout. You are playing in the ruins of civilization. You're not. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You're not playing. Sort of. Okay. Okay. Yeah, the only one where you are kind of playing a bit more in the desert is um, New Vegas. Yeah, but that still has like the settlements and uh, and like the dam and all that sort of stuff. So I mean, it still has a lot of um, uh, ruined civilization in it. But like when you play like uh, three and four, it, it feels like you're in a devastated area you know buildings cars all that sort of stuff this just feels like you know they're like oh we'll just go to this empty plot of land mm. uh where, where they shot cowboy movies and just fucking filming and it's that's what it, it feels like that like mm. it is what it is but it feels like that too yeah well i'll, I'll give it a chance i mean look I, I not having played halo i must admit i'm not very invested in it but oh. i do like i do like the visuals of the helmets in halo I always have and when they wear it in the show, it looks really cool. But let me tell you, well, I, I will give it a, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a go. Mm. But Amazon is very hit and miss. I mean, yeah, did they nail it with Reacher? Yes. Did they fuck it up with Rings of Power? Yes. <laughs> did they fuck it up with Wheel of Time? Yes. Did they nail it with Terminal List? Yes. Did they, f- yeah. did they fuck it up with uh, what else have they done? I'm not sure. I mean, I don't think they fucked up Wheel of Time. I think it's, I think it's mediocre, but it's not. I no. What I mean was they fucked it up. Is they fucked up the the um. What's the interpretation? What's the word I'm looking for? Adaptation. Yes, 
they fucked up the adaptation of yeah. Wheel of Time. Yeah. It should have been a much better adaptation. Like, literally, the fucking work's done for you. True. Very true. Um, now, this is funny. Drum roll. Um, this week, finally, finally, after all these years, I had a little clash with my online sparring partner, Tom Brevoort. Marvel, what is he? He's a senior editor there, Rich. Supposedly, we, we've we, many times on Signal, we've uh, we've had words to say about Brevoort and and what a coward he basically is at the end of the day, and um, you know, and, and, and that is what it is. And I've always said he he did some good stuff early on, getting the trains to run on time, but I think he's presided over some of the weakest Marvel ever, or at least in the last 40 years. Over, I would say the last 10 years. And I think he's been hopeless. And he's always struck me as a rather small-minded, sort of very full of himself, little individual. I certainly have no respect for him at all. Um, anyway, with all that... That's <laughs> how you really feel, Dave. No, well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just outlining, like, like at the end of the day, I, I, I get it. He, he certainly has made some trains run on time, but he's also, just, he's also presided over a massive sales collapse of his fucking comic line, so I'm not going to give him too many fucking get-out clauses. But anyway, the it was it was coincidence, actually, that his name even came up because they were talking about Steve Gerber. Now, everyone knows, I love Steve Gerber's work. And basic... Well, you know Steve Gerber created Howard the Dark Rich, the character. Mm-hmm. So, without meaning to go into the whole nuts and bolts of it, essentially... He got fired from writing Howard the Duck um, by Marvel in very late 70s, maybe 79. Um, and it led to legal, you know, there was people were suing each other which way, they're, they're, you know, there was, there was lit- litigation over the topic. Um, anyway, and at the time, uh, I know this storyline, at the time that the, the legal battle was going on, um, he created, like, a parody character called, I think, Destroyer Duck. And there was some involvement with Jack Kirby as well, like, may have, may have helped him design it, I think, you know. And they did, like, a, I think it was almost like a fanzine thing to raise some money, essentially, I think, to raise money for his legal battle against Marvel. Anyway, so that happened. Um, I'm not even sure how it all resolved. Um, anyway, whatever, whatever happened... Time moved on to, like... And Brevoort's not, not you know, involved in any of that stuff. It's all pre-Brevoort. Time moves on to about 1990, 91, I think, somewhere around there. And there was some... Now Brevoort is an editor. And there was some sort of anniversary of Howard the Duck, I think. And Brevoort brought over Steve Gerber to do something on the anniversary issue. Um... And there'd been a lot of bad blood between Gerber and Marvel, blah, blah, blah. But I think water had kind of gone under the bridge. And anyway, essentially what happened, from my understanding, is he did the anniversary issue, I think. Uh, very hard to get a straight answer out of these fucking idiots on Facebook. Um, but <laughs> at the same time, he did, I think, something at Image, like a one-shot. And it might even have... I actually think it was Inside Savage Dragon like an appearance of 
the destroyer duck character saying something along the lines of like he was the real deal and the and marvel had killed the original or something like that and now from now on it was like a joke and from now on the marvel characters are the clone i'm not even sure if he said it that emphatically but essentially that's what happened like it's like a, it's like a one page appearance i think i don't even think it's an actual book i think it's a, i think it's in savage dragon i did do some research on it but Getting a straight story. Anyway, so that all that happened. And um, anyway, Brevoort, for some reason, um, is still carrying this bitter axe of hatred about it all these years later. Like, we're in 2024. And the way this guy talks about it, and, and apparently his, his thing is like, so it happened, uh, and essentially he's like, he'd give me all these assurances, he wasn't going to do anything to stuff it up in the book. Then he did that. And I could have lost my job. He didn't lose his job. And it's, it's, it, it appears life just went on as normal. I don't think anything happened. But Brevoort was like, he, he, he said to me, it was, he's like, you would never, like, as usual, the condescending attitude, which I always find fucking hilarious from these guys. Like, at the end of the day, you're an editor of comic books, Tom. Like, I've got, you know, I've got a job too. Like, I'm not an idiot. And he does that thing where it's like, oh, to you it's just another fuck. Because I said, is it really that big of a deal? Like, it was a joke issue, wasn't it? Like, because it's so hard getting a clear answer from these guys. Because they're, 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 they're reacting, and you would have thought Steve Gerber had killed one of his children, the way, <laughs> the way they're carrying on. And, and, and I said, is it really that big of a deal, like, in the, in the wash-up of things? Like, does it really matter that much? And he's like, it might not matter to you, but it certainly did to me. And, and he's like, um, it was an act of violence, abstract though it was. And I'm just like, oh, it was an act of violence. Like, fuck off. And, and like... Blah blah blah. Like, yeah, you know, he was really carrying on about it, and I said, and I, and, and I just was like, this is just better than I could have imagined. I said, I can hardly believe what I've just read. You live in another world of pettiness, um, Tom. Like, you know, that's all I said. And then, you know, and some people, one, you know, of course, some seeker fans chime in, and I'm just like, you know, it's like you realize why Gerber was bitter about the whole thing because he got fucked over by Marvel. Like, and I made that comment. I go, to me, it's just another example of another creator being treated very poorly by the big two. And it's not a black or white in that he was late on deadlines. But it, there's a lot going on in that, in that whole discussion. And these guys who were going like, the two incidents had nothing to do with each other. I'm like, he was mocking Marvel, like, because of how he was treated. They, they, it's very connected. Like, it's, it's quite, quite a clear connection. And, I, and this is why, actually, I got annoyed. Because I understand, honestly, that Brevoort felt like he was put in a bad position. Although he doesn't, he doesn't actually articulate it very well. He spends a lot of time dramatising it. He's very short on facts. But anyway, so what I'm trying to say is I, I understood. It, it sounded like Brevoort got hauled over the coals. At least I hope he did because of the way he's carrying on. So, and he felt like he could have lost his job. I understand. But what he said, something along the lines of... Um, he would never walk the gang plank, gang plank, plank again for a creator based on their reputation or something like that. Was like, there was something along those lines. And I thought to myself, what a sad comment. Like, essentially, you would never put your faith... Like, um, you know, he was essentially saying, I would never put my faith in someone based on their reputation. Well, then, what, like, what are you doing? Like, at, at some point, you have to trust your staff. You have to have some yeah. level of trust, like. But also, not not just that. You you work for Marvel, so you know exactly how they've treated. Yeah. 
talent and yeah. employees and all that. So, yeah, it's, it was bizarre to me. Like, I just thought he's always struck me as a very thin-skinned little sort of tin pot fucking. Like he's 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 used to people groveling and saying yes because they need the work from Marvel. I get it. I, I'm someone who doesn't need the work from Marvel. I, I, I fucking couldn't care less about Tom Brevoort or his bullshit. But it just struck me that, like, also, why are we digging this up now? And and there were these people like, oh, it was brought up in, like, the last year before um, Gerber died. I'm like, okay, so you brought it up in 2007, apparently. It happened. This, this happened in, like, 1990 or 91. Um, and oh, that was the hilarious part was where he was, like, he, he, he then tried to sort of backpedal a little bit and um, he, he, he tried to backpedal a little bit and he was doing this thing where he was like, um, he, he was saying, um, what was he saying? Something along the lines of, uh, we, we, we spoke about it, we spoke about it, um, you know, back then uh, before he passed away and although I didn't forgive him per se and I'm like, no shit, you didn't forgive him. You we were talking about how it was an act of violence literally today, like in 2024. Like you, you, you literally were saying that, which I said was an absurd comment. Um, we both agreed it was just something that happened. We had to move on, and I'm like, and I even said, like, you know, I'm sorry, get over it. Like, the worst things have happened. I would have said, like, in in work. Well, also, get over it because it clearly doesn't seem to have hurt your career. No, I know, but like, like, sure, at, at that time, yeah, you, you can say that's how you felt. But right now, yeah. you've gone on to have a probably too long career. Yeah. At, at Marvel, so right now I think you can get fucking past it. I think you can let it go. You've it hasn't hurt your career in any way. And, and working in corporates too, like I'm sorry, like th- things happen. You know, during during like a work year, like I could think of worse things that have happened inside the last like twelve months, and like you know, and it's like it's part of it's professionally com- sort of compartmentalizing, and it's certainly not arguing on the internet about it, and, and just. I, 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 other than, I, I was like, you're another world of pettiness, which I actually think he is. I think he's a very thin-skinned person who's used to saying yes and used to creators groveling. That's what I'm, that's what I think he's used to. And, like, whatever, man. Like, I always point to the fact, like, they can talk all they want about how much manga is selling. Their Marvel comics are in the fucking toilet, you know? And he's a big part of it. And and his attitude is his his attitude comes across, man. When you when, when you rub across him online, I'm like, this guy's a fucking loser, you know. Like with his fucking chicken shit hat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I'll say. And, you, and then, it, no, everyone's going. He said the line. He said the line. Yeah, no, no, no. That's all I'll say about Breville. But like, we we had a little. I, I, I would just call it a little a little, a little push and shove. It wasn't much, but it was enough that like. I, I certainly felt like Crom or Conan with the axe, and I, there was a bit of pleasure. I must admit, I wasn't. I wasn't. Put it this way: I wasn't too fucking uh, mentally scarred by the whole incident. If anything, I felt a bit rejuvenated. But it's what I am surprised by: someone that thin-skinned can survive that long in Marvel corporate tells me a lot about them. You know, um, and he's very insulated. The the impression I got from the way he was talking is he would never put his rep on the line again. Is is how I got, and I thought to myself, what a weak fucking. Well, he's, de- he's definitely a company, yes, man. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what a weak fucking attitude. Like that's 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 what I actually thought. I thought, what a weak attitude, man. Like, like you're not going to grow. I would say grow a set, but he's not going to grow a set. You know, in, in, in summing it up, 
fuck Brevoort and fuck the, <laughs> the horse he rode in on. Like, and let's move on. Yeah, Rich, moving off Brevoort, we've actually got some interesting news. I would say good news, but also interesting. So did you hear about this? Sam Mendes, the James Bond director, there's going to be, filming next year, four Beatles biopics um, apparently set from each one of the Beatles' perspective, apparently, from what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Now, and they're all being released in the same year. So if they're being filmed next year to be released in 2026. So that's a lot of Beatles. And it's actually very ambitious. What do you mm. think what do you think about this? Can the market sustain four Beatles movies like the Beatles mm. shared universe actually in mm. one year? I don't know. I feel like this would be something that would be a good like um made for TV yeah. thing, not like go to the cinemas thing. Like, you know, you do four mini movies about each one kind of thing, or then maybe even then culminated into like a a fifth. But but again, like more of a TV movie. I don't mm. know. Mm, definitely ambitious. Might be a bit too much for movie going. Well, uh, yeah, that's where I'm sort of at. I, I, I almost... I don't know. I'm just, I, I'm fascinated by it, but I I also think in this f- phase we're in now, where it's really hard to get people to go to the cinema, you know, mm. like to to ask them to go four so times. Don't like the first one. Yeah. Good luck selling them on the other three. I know. I know. And uh, I, I, is that the thing? You're locked into it, aren't you? Well, surely they're going to be sort of interlocking stories and stuff like. Um, surely there's going to have to be like a lot of flashbacks and jumping well, around. You know, like like when you see a movie sometimes, and then what they do is they they tell you a story, and it's from the one character's point of view, and then they go back and retell the story, like the last jewel. But now, yeah, but then you get it from like the the other person. So like, there's been a few movies that do that. Mm. I mean, I would imagine that's what they're going to do. They're going to be telling one story, mm. and yes, there's going to be obviously things that overlap. But it's always going to be the same story told from four different points of view. Mm. Oh, that's what I imagine. I just feel, although the Beatles are very popular, and obviously the the songs are going to be front and center. This is coming from Apple, so we'll have that advantage. Um, I hope they go a bit crazy. I hope there's portions that are animated, like when you get into the sort of druggy part of the sixties and stuff. I mean, there probably will be. I would think. Like, it's going to have to be a bit nuts. I think you're going to, if you want this to succeed. I think you're going to have to really go for the fences, you know? Well, that, I can feel like that's what I would maybe do instead of doing a four biopics, right? Mm. I would do a, a fairly long movie, maybe three to four hour movie, right? But what I would do is I would have each, not necessarily each decade, but each like album mm. done in a different style. Yeah. So for instance, uh, if it's the, or, you know, when I'm telling the origin of the Beatles, it's black and white. Mm-hmm. Right, it's got that sort of fifties, sort of like black and white feel and all that. And then when you get to like your sixties, and then they they change it, they get a little bit more hippie. Mm. I'd actually change the style of the movie to match that. Then yes, when you get to the yellow submarine sort of part and all that sort of crap and then whatever, I would yes, I'd go animated. And I, but I would literally tell, I would do the movie and literally each chapter. Mm would be done in a completely different style as to how to demonstrate their style changing. 
uh, or them changing as people. Um, that's how I would do the movie instead of doing four separate movies. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Uh, well, well, it's watch this space, basically. It's watch this space. And um, uh, the, I was talking about it with people at work. I wonder if they're going to, and surely they will, go past the Beatles, like into the solo careers of uh, each of them, like John Lennon and Paul McCartney and George Harrison all, ha- all, all had, you know, pretty successful solo careers. Like, I don't know. I think they'll probably end it with the rooftop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the other way to go, you know? Hmm. Interesting. I mean, to me, they're fair. That's the most logical. Like, you end it at the rooftop, and then what you can do is, you know, like when a biopic finishes, and then it tells you what happened to. Yeah. So you the don't people. think it'll go into, like, Imagine and stuff? I don't think so. Mm. That feels like a missed opportunity. But then again, I don't know. I, like, I'm, I'm interested in all of this. Well, but so what, I, what I'm thinking is it's going to be a story of, like, the origin and the breakup. Mm. Right. Yeah. And obviously, it's going to have to sort of cut a little bit and. Uh, not necessarily with bullet pointy, but sort of compress it. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like sort of like, a bridge. You're going to get yeah. an abridged version like of the cliff sort no- of the, yeah, the cliff notes version. Yeah, uh, you know of of the stuff. But I think it's going to be the story of them getting together and the breakup at the end, told from four different perspectives. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Interesting. That's my prediction, anyway. No, I think it's a decent prediction, man. Decent prediction. Um, we have a breaking rumor, Rich. Henry Cavill is rumoured to be playing Cyclops in the X-Men. What do you think no, about I hope that? Not. I hope so. I think it'd be awesome. Uh, I kind of want him to be Captain Britain if they ever do one. <laughs> Dude, like, I hate to break this news to you, man. I know you love Captain Britain. No one cares about Captain Britain. You know? Uh, I know. If they, did the, if they did the Alan Moore, Alan Davies, yeah, yeah, yeah. Captain Britain, where it was a bit more sort of 2080, it could be really good, man. Fair enough, man. What do we think of Sting basically redoing Fields of Gold with Pink and slightly different lyrics and the same basic melody? I, I, I almost think it's cheating. I, I heard okay. this I heard this song the other day and I was like, is someone just ripping off Fields of Gold? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was oh it's Sting doing that. Yeah, okay. I, I was like, okay, I guess we I definitely I have less of a problem if it's the original artist. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. It just feels like Sting's just like, you know what I need? A quick couple of mil. I'm just going to whip out one of the old ones and just slightly modify you know, it. And... The Pet Shop, you know the Pet Shop Boys? Yeah, I love them. They actually, they actually re-released a lot of their music uh, uh, better. Yeah. So, like, songs off their first album, they re-released them yeah. uh, with the new management and the new sort of uh, producer, mm. uh, which actually would be the version that most people would know now. Um, oh. So... I, I don't know. I don't have a problem with artists sort of, okay. you know, doing something a bit but, different but, with their music. But like, I he's think not... it's a bit lazy if someone goes like, oh, hey, Sting, give me your song. I want to fucking... Although, you know, to be fair, sometimes you get some really good versions of it, so I can't be too hard on it. What annoyed me is, though, it's not the song. It's just a very... Sim- it's the same melody, but with different words. That's what annoyed me about it. I was well, just... maybe this is Pink's idea. Yeah, Maybe. Maybe this is a pink song. She's like, "Hey, I want to sample it. You want to, you know, you, you want to do it with me? Here's the lyrics. Could be yeah. something like that." Okay, a Borderlands trailer has been released. Um, Michael Kellishan was excited. Definite Guardians vibes. Um, he's doing about Guardians oh, of Galaxy. He's definitely going for Guardians vibes. I agree with that. Is, is he talking about Guardians of Galaxy? Like absolute shit. But <laughs> is is he talking about Guardians of Galaxy? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's live action. Mm-hmm. 
actors look video game accurate and the set looks like Pandora. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Michael. I don't know what you're smoking, bro. Like, <laughs> you cannot tell me that Kevin Hart is video game accurate for Roland from Borderlands 1 and 2. And you cannot say that. How old is fucking Kate Blanchett now? 60? I don't know. 55, 58, 60, 50s, whatever. Is uh, cast as like a, a woman in her 30s. Right. You know, Lilith, I'm sorry, like, you cannot tell me that these people are, like, are accurately cast. And by the way, we miss, we're also missing fucking characters from one and two. I mean, for God's sakes, they've got Tiny Teenage, who's from number two, mm. uh, but they don't have Brick and all that. Like, it's like, what are you doing? It just, Dave, I, I think you got to watch the trailer, and it mm. just, it looks like a... I don't want to say a fan film, but you know, like when maybe when actors do like a sure. vanity project. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, Kevin Hart is like, how, how old is Kevin Hart? Four foot five? Something like that? How tall? Um, yeah. yeah, he's like he's like four foot something. Is he, how, I don't know how, if he's that how short, short is he? I don't think he's that short. Yeah, but he's he's supposed to be playing short. a big, muscular, burly black army dude. Right, okay, yeah. Is, would you cast Kevin Hart? No. So if I basically said to you, right, imagine Carl Weathers. From mm. yes, from uh, from uh, Rocky and yeah, and Predator, uh, Predator right? Mm. And I said that's what Roland looks like minus the moustache <laughs> in the video games. Would you automatically go? No, Kevin Hart. No, I would not. I would not at all. Um, well, Michael Kellishim, um was sad. He said, "You just made Claptrap sad." <laughs> just... I said, Dude, they cast Jamie Lee Curtis, also a woman that's probably pushing seventy. Yeah. Right, as a thirty-year-old woman, yeah, and didn't even bother to dye her hair; just left her with the fucking grey hair. Wow, what the fuck? Yeah, no, it sounds weird. Um, apparently, yeah. Well, he says the movie has to be better than Borderlands Three, but basing on what you're saying, maybe not. No, no. I, 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 I look, Borderlands Three is 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 pretty shit, but it's not this shit. Okay. Um, this was fun. And I say that I didn't finish Borderlands 3. It was so bad I didn't finish it, wow. but this is so bad I don't want to watch it. Yeah. No, like, it sounds, I don't want to start watching it. It sounds terrible. Uh, Walter Herzog, uh, the director and sometimes actor, he saw Barbie and he said, for a movie, this was his quote, for a movie ticket as an audience to experience sheer hell as close as it gets. Is that what Walter Herzog said? Walter Herzog was not happy when he saw Barbie. Can you imagine the grumpy old man and he's just sitting there? Can you imagine just, like, the tension that would have been coming off him? Like, he's, like, grinding his way through the first half hour. Um, That's hilarious. That's a pretty funny comment, I think, really. Uh, Game of Thrones um, showrunners confirmed the film trilogy ending was blocked. That the, basically they wanted to end it with three movies. Um, they were reminded that HBO stands for home box office, not away box office. They also said they were asked to shoot vertically so it would fit on their on people's phones. And the company also discussed snacks or mini episodes of the series of the series. So basically, like mini episodes. Um, I don't know. I don't think that's the worst idea in the world, but. But um, I'm almost glad it wasn't three movies because what I saw them do in that last fucking season was pretty poor. So if that had been split into three movies, that would have been a chore, you know? Mm. Like, you know what I mean? It's not like what they did was, like, had this amazing story. It was pretty average. I mean, I, I'll defer to you, man. I couldn't give a shit about uh, Game yeah, of Thrones. So. Fair enough. I, 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 I uh, defer to your judgment. Fair enough. Um, Chuck Dixon's saying Disney is licensing 
physical media to Sony, um, which is interesting. Uh, although Sony does handle a lot of that stuff because they're getting out of the physical media game. Um, Disney, you know, that I want to... Mm-hmm. You know, they've always been a bit off and on with that. Um, Wolverine 2 packs are in stores. Uh, I saw Patch and Joe, and Joe Fixit in stores. Mm-hmm. Um, mine are on their way. Um, the Crow reboot has finally set its release date, June 24. My God, this Crow reboot seems to have been going on for like 20 years at this point. Like, mm. how long do you reckon this... You, is anyone looking forward to this, really? I know. Uh, probably not, but you know what? Like, hmm. Here's the thing. I've come... Th- there's a part of me that comes as... Not come to a realisation, but... Mm. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people who are fans of the my age, fans of the crow, who are complaining sure. about the new crow, right? The way it looks, you know, it's very fucking Gen Z and and all that sort of stuff, like whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but that's who it's made for. Yeah, like that's the kids today. When it was made for me, it was the it was the goth punk rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. metal fucking thing. But that's not in vogue now, so no. you wouldn't. You know what I mean? And and I've said this, I'm happy for, for I'm happy for companies to do remakes mm. and modernize things for a new. So if you were like, okay, let's make a crow movie, but now we're gonna we wanna do it in modern times, it's a new generation, and you're gonna change it up, right? Mm. So you're gonna take the idea of the crow and you're gonna sort of go, Okay, well, how would the characters react? What would the situation be? And you're gonna make it more modern? I've got no problems with that. Even if I won't watch it, <laughs> because yeah. again, it's not made for me. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It is made for a newer generation, and I'm cool with that. I honestly don't care. Um, what I care about is when they do a remake and they tell the exact same story, but all they do is change the ethnicity or the sex uh-huh. of a character. That's when I have like an issue with the remake, because then I'm like, okay, but you didn't actually do anything new or different except change the superficial characteristics of a character. Those sort of remakes, I've got no time for. But... If you are remaking something, you're modernizing it, and you're telling maybe a similar story, but also your own story, I'm I'm okay. I don't. Who's I don't playing the crow? Is it Bill Skarsgård? <coughs> is that right? Ooh, is it? I feel like Good. that's who it is, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, it could be one of the Skarsgårds. I could. I maybe I had the wrong one. Um, this you is... know, and, and by the way, I mean the the crow movie has never been matched, even with its fucking uh, oh, no. terrible sequels. So no, no, the original. Crow movies are a fucking classic, you know. Um, no, no one's ever gone close to it, really. You know, it was it was just this. I, I thought brilliant movie, you know. Um, now, uh, Michael Kellishim has another decline and fall of the Western comic book industry. Update uh, last year. He You're was, right, sorry, it is Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, thank you. There you go. Said in my research, yeah. uh, he mentioned last year the King Spawn quote scam where the issue sold over 480,000 copies, but actually it was a scheme by Image to bamboozle retailers into buying 250 copies of the regular book just to get the exclusive Todd McFarlane signed variant cover. A pretty, that's a pretty common tactic. Now, well, a year later, that seems to not be a very good investment. At a local Comic Con, I saw one vendor have nearly two long boxes full of nothing but King Spawn 1, priced at 50 cents each. The cover price of King Spawn 1 is $6, and if, if the V vendor paid half that for a book, hit would be $750 just to get the one sign variant cover comic. Um, he also took the opportunity to eavesdrop on retailer conversations and all is not well. 
They said the only books that are in demand are those that have a movie or TV tie-in. Even then, they are hesitant to buy large quantities of a $6 single issue. Also, it seems the large retailers are buying up their smaller competitors' stores and inventory as people are desperate to get out of business. And to keep the Signal mm. community informed, I bought a lot of cross-gen and Arrow comics. The people deserve to know this. Good work, Michael. Um, mm. So he's out there on the front lines, and I love that kind of investigative journalism. That's the kind of staff, Rich, which I'd like to see a lot more from you. You know, getting out there on the streets, interviewing retailers, like reporting back in. You know, what retailers? They all closed there. Well, I don't know, but just do something. Um, I mean, even even here, we used to have what at least three comic book shops in the city, and now we only have one. We have Kitty Canary Kings. No, no, no! You cannot count. You cannot count Kunikania. That's a bookstore. I'm talking about comic book no, 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 mate! I'm talking about a comic book store. Right. Or Kinks. Like a comic book store, not not a bookstore that sells because you can't go and buy floppies in Kunikania. Yeah, but you can. They've got a bigger trade selection. Yeah, but, that, but that's because it's a bookstore, Dave. Like oh. it's not. A, it's not a one well, for one. Well, it's a competitor. Like yes, you know. but my point is, if you if I wanted the tr the, the the monthly floppies, sure. I can't get that from Kunikia, so they're not a comic book store. Oh yes, but but a comic say, book store it has to sell floppies to be in this conversation. I think anything that sells large amounts of, for example, manga, they've got a massive manga section, which actually which actually, I'll be honest with you, their their um whatever you call it footprint is bigger than King's. It is of their manga and their it's, and their trades. It's not the point of this conversation. No, it, but it is though. If you're a consumer, if you're a consumer, you don't really care. You just want to go to whoever has it. So if you if you walk into either one of them, they're, they're direct competitors. I mean, just because okay, it so, sells. So then, okay. So by your logic, then mm. any any place that I can pay for a movie is a cinema. Well, it's a competitor. What do you mean? Like so, if I I can walk into JB Hi-Fi and I can buy a movie, so therefore yeah. JB Hi-Fi is a cinema. Well, I'll answer your question because so I can get a movie from there. I'll answer your question. Like a cinema. I'll answer your question. Streamers and yeah, places that sell Blu-rays are in direct competition to cinemas these days because that they're half the reason why okay. that cinema. But if I want to watch the latest movie that's just come out, can I go to JB Hi-Fi and watch that? No, but the, you can't. But if you wait, like so a if few I weeks, want the latest issue of Superman, number one thousand seventy-two, can I get that from Kunikania? No, but you can get it on the so trade when not, it comes out. It's not the same thing, though. But it's the same thing. If what you got to understand is the weekly comic book thing has just it's it's massively declined. You walk into Kings, their selection of the floppy the comics. I'm fucking making day. No, no, but I'm saying. Yeah. Even when we had Kunikania, we had three comic book stores. Mm. Not including Kunikania, we had three comic book stores in the city, mm. and now we've only got one. Yeah. Because selling comics is not, is not sustainable because of this sort of shit as well, where these companies are actually rorting mm. the people that are supposed to be selling their products. They are literally helping putting comic book stores out of business. Yeah. yeah, it's great for Kunikania. They're like, fucking hell, I don't have to worry about that. Just give me the trade when it comes out. Mm. But these companies still need people to buy their fucking weekly comics. Mm. But I think what's happened, yeah, I agree, but I think what's happened is over the last, like, I don't even know, like the last probably 10, 10, years, 10 years, yeah, 
the the weekly comic um, sale point has massively declined, like massively. It has declined, but that's still where they make the, they are trying to make their money, Dave. That's why they have so many weekly comics come out. Yeah, I get it, man. But like, maybe they need—I don't know what the answer is. But like, right now, it, it's—I it, think it's the lowest it's been in like a long, long time. Like, they'll tell you otherwise. But like, when you look at the raw numbers, like, it's—it's it's a fraction of what it used to yeah, be. I mean, this story is just absolutely ludicrous. I mean, forcing comic book companies who are really struggling mm. to buy two hundred and fifty fucking copies. Yeah, but that that, is, that that isn't that unusual. I've heard this before. Like, I, I mean, I don't know if the number not, is. Not to that extent. I've yeah. heard them say you've got to buy 50 or you've got yeah. to buy 75. 250 is just fucking highway robbery. Oh, it's it's ridiculous. Um, no, I, I don't know about the numbers, but, but certainly, like, that's every week. Like, to get the exclusives, which they then flip, usually these comic book retailers flip on eBay most of the time, you know. Um, they're... Yeah, they've got to order all this shit in that just doesn't sell. Like, you know, just it just doesn't sell. Like, and but it's all to get the variants, which, as I say, they they're either selling to basically your whales or they're flipping on eBay and just trying to make a profit. Like, it's like I, don't get me wrong; they're in financial fucking distress. You know what I mean? Well, like, just to show that even McFarlane and Image will pull the same shit that uh, Marvel and DC does uh, on the on the. Of floor. course they will, man. Like they're all they're all like you know. I mean, McFarlane is like the ultimate like you know self made man kind of thing. Like, of course he's playing every trick under the sun. Like to I don't know. I I, I don't I, I don't really have any other comment other than Michael's right, and it would. I'd hate to be in the game. I'd hate to have financial skin in the game be running a comic book store now because you've got so many things running against you. Uh, the cost, the the thin margin, and the fact, and it is a fact, kids, that the Western comic book audience has just stopped buying the product, you know, like en masse. Like it's, it's, it's now, it's a fraction of what it was. So it's a really challenging space to be in. And, I, I mean, what I never think when I go to a comic book store, I'm sorry to say this, but it's true. I never think, wow, what a good deal. I always feel like I'm being ripped for every fucking dollar, you know, because that's where they are now. They're just, they've got to squeeze anyone who walks in the store. They, they, you know what I mean? It's not like you get in there and there's, there's all these attractive sales and stuff on. It's all like, it's all mm. marked up. And, and, you know, I don't think it's sustainable in the long term. I mean... Uh, yes, they try to pivot as much as they possibly can into all sorts of collectibles. But even all that stuff, it's always expensive. Like, you can get it cheaper elsewhere. That's always what I think. I look at it and go, I can get this I can get this cheaper. Even if it's just a few dollars, I'm like, I can still get it cheaper. You know, without, without trying very hard either. So, and God forbid you look at some of the books sometimes and you're like, fuck, the price tag on this? Like, mm. it's, it is, I don't know, I, I don't have the answer, but... There's clearly a huge problem, and I and I would hate to have financial skin in the game because I think it's a this turnaround. I don't think it's ever going to happen. I I just well, don't. I'll tell you this: I'm glad I never because I had thoughts a few years ago of potentially opening up a uh, a comic book store because I even got a sort of a job, yeah, for a short bit to work in one to see what it was like, mm. and thankfully I never went into it because I think. Yeah, I probably would have gone under by now. 
Oh, yeah, it's a hugely risky um, thing. And as you're saying, the, the comic book stores... Well, it wasn't when I was contemplating it. Yeah. yeah. Like, when I was contemplating it, we had comic book shops all over the place, in, in even in Australia. Do you know mm, what I mean? Mm. Um, there was, like, two in Liverpool. Mm. There was two in Parramatta. There was even one in Chatswood. Uh, like, you could even have chains. I remember there's a couple of, like, Phantom... Remember Phantom Zone? Very well. I used to go there a yeah. lot. Yeah, they were chained. I think they had three different stores. They mm. all went under. So, yeah, yeah. I'm just so glad that you know. Uh, and that was a shame. That was a real shame that Phantom Zone went under because I always felt like it's good to have competition. Competition is actually healthy, you know. And um, Phantom Zone were a pretty significant retailer, um, and yeah, like they were in a good location and everything. But I don't know what happened there because I would have thought their Parramatta store would have just been a perennial, which I, I, I'm, but maybe it was mismanaged. And as we know, the, 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 the margin isn't huge and maybe they didn't pivot well enough. Like Kings have pivoted a hell of a lot. Like they've done a lot of things to stay where they are. Well, Kings and, have definitely pivoted into the collectibles as well. Yes. hundred percent. hundred percent. Very hard. Yeah. Very hard. No, they totally have. And the, sorry, the point I was going to make is, God, I remember going into their old Pitt Street store, which is still my favourite store of theirs, by the way. And the Pitt Street store, I remember just how many of the weekly comics were on the wall, like just how mm. massive that was. Dude, it is tiny now. The the oh yeah, it is it, like honestly, it, it is like a joke, like now. And you know, and like that just tells me that people are not buying them and they're expensive like ray still buys them and i'm just like man really um i think a lot of the people working in comics are so delusional about how poorly they're doing because they still have a job sure because they must be thinking i can't be that bad yeah i still have a job they still pay me so i must be selling well yeah yeah and like not all of it's the fault of the creatives and stuff. Some of it's changing consumer taste. Consumer taste does change. Yeah, like, but it's also a good chunk of it is oh, the, the comics are not very good anymore. You know, no, editorial, um, certainly creative choices are all factors. Um, I, I think their biggest problem is their their biggest problem is their cost. the The price point has gone up too much for what you're getting. Like right now, I'm right on the fence of deciding whether I want to get the new Savage sort of Conan in physical because um, I might, I might want to, because Titan Comics are now putting out the Savage sort of Conan. Um, and ju- first issue just came out and I'm right on the fence about it and maybe I will, maybe I won't, but I thought it might be nice to have a little collection. But the other part of me is just like, really, I just want the hardcover. <laughs> I don't really mm. want... I don't really need these magazines. Um, I don't know. I, I'm still on the fence about it. Um... Now, talking about solutions, what about this? DC Comics announces 25 absolute power comics all written by Mark Wade so far. Jesus, that's a lot of Mark Wade. 25 comics, Rich, all written by him. You know, well, he's probably the only one that's um, actually got <laughs> any fucking probably good ideas in DC at the moment. He certainly is a big talent, um, but I just wonder as well if... I'm they... his ideas are all great or good, I'm just saying. Yeah. Clearly, they're the better of what's been offered. Sure. Do you think he could be stretching himself a little thin? Because that's my favorite. Uh, uh, he probably wants to write as much as he can before it all sinks. Yeah, true, true. 
Well, that's a good point. Um, and he knows he'll get an omnibus out of it. You know what I mean? Like, he knows, mm-hmm. you know, so for him, it's probably a good move. But, gee, I tell you what, ever since today I left, he's got a lot no of real, look, look, he's got no real competition at the moment. No, I know. He's, he's definitely... I mean, back, in the day, back in the day, he would have had a lot of competition. Yeah, I know. With the writers that he was working with now, he must feel like a, yeah. a kingfish in the pond. Well, ever since today I left, he, he's got tons of work at DC. Um... According to an insider source, Marvel's Fantastic Four will no longer feature a female Silver Surfer. Apparently, the plan was to introduce a female Herald of Galactus played by Anna Taylor-Joy. You know, that anorexic-looking chick? Thank God. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Do not need her as Silver Surfer. Um, Silver White. Another another actor that's already been in a, not a a, a Disney Marvel, but a Marvel movie. Has she? Well, she was in the New Mutants. Oh, was she really? Okay. Yeah, I she played... Uh, fuck, what's Colossus's uh, sister's name again? Uh, Katja? No, not Katja. Um, Alania. Alana. Yeah, she played Alana, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so apparently she's she, she's been scrapped, so probably a good idea. Um, Weekly Comics, Rich. Woo! First one up was a topical one, if it was back in 1992. Um, Nomad, eight. He, he wrote this... Issue, uh, Fabian Nietzsche, um, right after the Rodney King beating and the riots. Um, I thought it was a pretty cool issue. What did you think, Rich, of Nomad back in '92? Uh, I kind of like this because it, it it really showed that, like, when the when the the, the most recent riots were going on, mm. um, the comics were telling a very different story. Oh, it was all Black Lives Matter, wasn't it? You know, uh, it was all the, the the looters are right and all that, and in this, oh, actually, that's right, yeah. While while the character does agree with them, yeah, uh, in in what they are fighting for, he doesn't agree with them destroying their own no neighborhoods and businesses and that's crazy and stuff and all that, and so he's actually trying to like stop them and and well, he actually blows the guy you away. Know, stop that. Yeah. Well, the guy does shoot him, so I mean... No, I know, no, no, it's like, it's full on. I enjoyed this comic, I thought it was cool. I thought to myself, jeez, this is very different to when the whole BLM riots happened and all the the comic books were basically calling all the cops criminals and and, and take, like, not even any nuance. No, definitely not. Like, this comic had way more nuance than what what they did. Well, they were all talking Uh, about copaganda and stuff. But it also showed me that, you know what... This, this isn't anything new in America either. No, definitely not. Um, Racial know, tension. Something happens, and then the media, I think, gets people riled up and 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 stuff. So, um, oh, yeah. it's definitely not the first riots. Um, I said that before at the time. People were reacting like no one had ever rioted before. Um, no, but I'm saying it's a reminder of. Mm how long these riots have been actually going on. Well, the racial tensions are still there. and I mean, that was a very... that well, was a, Especially if they keep getting stoked. I mean, let's face it, there were similar um, similar uh, scenario, really. If you if you break it down, there was a lot of parallels between the two incidences and the, the rioting that then ensued. Um, if anything, the rioting went cross-country. It, was, it wasn't just confined to L.A. as the, those riots were. Henry Rollins, when I was at a, um, I'm not sure if I was at a, a, one of his spoken words or I heard the tape of it, he was talking about, actually I think it was a tape of it, uh, He was uh, when he was there in 92 in LA during the riots. 
and he went down to have a look at it and there were people who were just, it was just like mob mentality kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, and he saw exactly what he's talking about. Like, there was people destroying, you know, literally black businesses. Like, blacks destroying black businesses for, for start. Like, he, what I'm trying to say is he saw it from all sides. That right, it was yeah. It was completely fucked up. Is basically what he was saying. It was, it was fucked up. It was actually. Wait, here, here's the thing. Okay, you know what? I mean? You 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 you've been riled up. Whatever. I can understand you destroying government properties. Sure. You know the the police. Are like I, I don't agree with it, but I'm saying I could see you doing that. But the fact that you went around and like looted stores, destroyed mom and pop shops, yeah. and I'm just like. I thought you were supposed to care about your community. I well, thought you were fighting for your community and yeah. what's happening to not but but you're the ones who've actually done way more damage yeah. to your community than I'm I'm sorry, than what let let's say two corrupt officers or whatever mm. did to Blackhead. You've done way more damage mm. to your own community than what those two cops did. Yeah man. Oh, look, it's just crazy to me. It is crazy, and that's what he was saying in the story. God, it's been, like, literally 15 years since I heard it. But but as well, like, he saw the looting, and he was like, this is Mm. fucking nuts. People were just, like, looting shit. Like, forget about protesting or anything. And not even looting, like, food or... No, TVs. It was TVs. Like, looting Gucci bags and TVs and... and and, yeah. and stuff and it's like yeah just like this comic book it was people you know literally burning shit down and breaking and just they saw an opportunity and it was like it's that mob mentality where, where, where the, these rules of civilised society that we you know all sort of I mean, play along with what I think is so funny about it is that it shows that like she's talking about not learning oh yeah like okay, fine maybe you know years ago you, you should remember oh shit you know last time we had the riots you know, the, the neighborhood fucking went down. Mm. We, we had a lot of poverty and a lot of jobs because we fucking burned everything. We shouldn't do that again. But the, <laughs> they keep doing it. Yeah, like, that's crazy, man. It's it's bizarre. Yeah. Well, I'm getting... Interesting story. Interesting. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I can't say that I enjoyed it too much. Um, uh, I enjoyed its bleakness. But, uh, I, I enjoyed it in, in the sense of, like, uh, just, like, uh, like wow, like... Um, how times have not changed. hundred <laughs> percent, exactly. That's exactly what I thought. How how similar this was. Like it literally could mm. have been written about about those riots and yeah, it was crazy. I gave it a seven point five out of ten. Uh what'd you give Rich? Yeah, I gave it a seven out of ten. Then we finally had Conan one. Um I've been collecting all the recent Conan. Surprisingly good. Forget about surprisingly. I thought this was finally proper Conan is back. Jim's up, dude. I'm telling you, knows Conan. Jim Zub's a good writer of this fantasy stuff. and Well, I yeah. definitely enjoyed this more than his Marvel stuff. Well, this is where the Marvel fucking training wheels are off, man. You know? This is where he doesn't have to write apology letters yeah, for that's, fucking... That's we're seeing titties and well, all and... sorts of stuff and stuff yeah. and, uh, yeah. Re- remember when, when Jason Aaron apologised for fucking Pocahontas? That was a low point of Conan. Um, mm-hmm. That was probably one of the lowest points ever. Um, this just felt like good Conan back again. Definitely some John Buscema sort of homage artwork. Yeah, it was good too, yeah. I loved it, man. Like, i got to be brutally... I'm going to say something now. I'm fucking on board. 
dude, I'm buying the hardcover. I'm backing this in all the way. I'm trying to get Jim Zub on the show. I'm excited to be alive. Um, this was proper Conan. Yeah. And I mean, if this keeps going on, I'll definitely say that uh, I'll, I'll be willing to say Marvel definitely held back his Conan. Definitely. Yeah, 100%. And Savage Shot of Conan's out. And guess what? Next week, Rich, we're going to be including Savage Shot of Conan 1 in Weekly Comics. Um, you know, so you're going to get plenty more Conan you diet from now on, Rich. So look forward to it. Um, then we had, I gave it 8.5 out of 10. What did you give it, Rich? Uh, 8 out of 10. Okay. Then we had Iron Man 170. This one came up Flashback Friday because it's the first time that Rhodey ever wore the suit because Tony's going through an alcohol relapse. This is early 80s, Jenny O'Neill writing, so it's not that long before um, Michelini picks up, so I think it's a couple of years before. Um, I thought Denny handles the character moments better than the robot battle moments. I thought the alcohol alcoholism angle is interesting, and it was a good debut for Rhodey in the suit. Uh, I like the end scene between Tony and Rhodey, and then he quits the Avengers. I, look, I like the character stuff. I thought the stuff fighting that robot was just... I mean, honestly, just so basic. Like, so basic. Like, wow, we're not even trying, you know. But I thought the character stuff that Denny did was good. So it was a weird issue for me. Like, um, what did you think of it, Rich? Yeah, uh, I thought it was pretty average overall. Mm. Um, dialogue felt a little bit stilted. Um Yeah, the fight, the fight scenes weren't very good. And then that sort of atomic night thing coming out of nowhere. Oh, that was terrible. Kind of, um, and also, I, I kind of... I don't understand why Tony wasn't first pissed off with him. Being in the armor and then maybe as a drunk going, oh, this is fucking great. You, you want it, you take it. I don't want to be Iron Man anymore. But he just kind of went straight from like, oh, well, whatever. Yeah. I'm going to go party. I've already organized the fucking prostitute. Yeah. Uh, no, I know. <laughs> but, like, he's already organized the date, and I'm like, I kind of feel like maybe he would have been more drunk angry first. Well, he was plastered, man. Yeah. Yeah, but again, like, he's a very narcissistic person. Mm. I, I, I kind of feel like, I feel like he should have first been pissed off that Rody put the suit on. Yeah, no, I know, you know what you mean. Like a very drunk, possessive person. Yeah, and then he... maybe, go, you know, maybe while he's drinking, but like, fuck it, then I don't want this anymore. I just want to drink and party and fuck Rody, he can do it all by himself and no, he gave he up really it. easily didn't he yeah that i didn't i didn't quite agree with it now do you get the like feeling that. that by the early 80s i think this was in about 82 or 83 that some of the older writers who'd been so big and influential in the 70s like denny um were really going through the motions on the superhero books like i, I like i feel this is denny just barely you know considering denny's talent sort of before and after, this really hey, felt run of the mill. Okay, look, you, you also, one, it's your job, you need a job, mm. but you might not necessarily like every character that you write for. Sure. But, but this was and like, maybe, he wrote a lot of Iron Man over the years. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that he, you know, look, it's a job's a job. Yeah. If, if Marvel's offering you Iron Man, yeah, uh, and maybe there's that's the best option around, you take it, doesn't necessarily mean that you like the character. Sure. Because um, I definitely feel like Danny's better stories were on Batman than Iron Man. That's Although I see, I look. Sure. I who did Demon in a Bottle? Was that Denny or was it not Denny? Was that maybe Michelini? Maybe it was actually. I was thinking that uh, was Denny, but you know that might have been David Michelini, and I feel like I know that because we spoke to him about it. 
Yeah, I think it was. So, yeah. okay, but but I will say this for Denny. Maybe, I, maybe Denny didn't want to do a character with an alcohol problem. <laughs> Denny was an alcoholic. Did you know that? Denny O'Neill was a massive alcoholic. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Maybe he was like, I don't want to really be doing this. Or, I, but like, um, au contraire. Maybe his heart wasn't in it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe his heart wasn't. It, it, it's just an observation that I noticed the likes of a Marv Wolfman by the time we hit about 83. I just think his stuff seems so laboured, you know, and, you know, I just feel that like a lot of those guys in the 70s that were so, they were younger and they were vital and I feel a lot of them stagnated. That's just my opinion in about 83, 84. Yeah, I mean, burnt out maybe is a better word than stagnated because, Mm. I mean, come on, when you're writing monthly books, weekly books, fortnightly books, you know, whatever, how many books you're doing, Mm. and you're constantly coming up with ideas, yeah, yeah, I do think there's probably a... Hit a wall. Yeah, there's there's a breaking point where you just go like, I'm fucking tapped out. I've got like, I've got nothing, man, like, I've used up all my good ideas because so you know when you're a novelist yeah of course you've got to still write books but you get a bit of time in between books yeah no I agree the and, brain recharges then, you know yeah. what I mean yeah oh you know, yeah no um, no yeah I, I, I'm not actually slamming them because I think a lot of them got a second lease in life because, yeah. because I mean one thing I always remind myself right TV shows and, mm. and, 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 and movies they don't have one writer no writing room right they have like a team of writers you know or mm. A movie might have three or four different writers, and the, the the first writer then they hand it to a second writer, and he gives it a once. You know what I mean? And then mm. they make some more changes, and they bring in a new writer. TV shows have a writer's room mm. of people that can come up with ideas for the season and all. But as a comic book, between you and the artist, that's it, man. The two of you, and mainly the writer, mm. you got to come up with a new story. Oh, and, and before you then started doing the big long. Yeah. yearly stories and you were doing the fucking monthly stories mm. you were having to come up with ideas on a monthly basis and maybe this just was Denny going a bit through the motions you know like I think so I think maybe he was just like look ah, whatever it's Iron Man and they, he wants to have a drinking problem that's probably maybe why he put Rhodey in the suit because mm. like, I don't really want to deal with a, yeah. a drunk Iron Man <laughs> I mean and Tony was rock fucking bottom in this one Jesus like, yeah Wow. I'm only giving him a 6 out of 10. Underwear as well. Not even like passed I, out like, I know. in his suit. Literally passed out in his fucking white undies. I know. It's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, I'm giving him a 6 out of 10. What are you giving it, Rich? Yeah, 6 seems pretty... Maybe 5.5. Okay. Then we had Cobra Commander 2. I'm loving this, man. Like, I, I've got to be brutally honest with you. I am loving this Cobra Commander stuff. I'm loving what Skybound's doing with the title. Next week, we'll do Duke as well. I've got the copy mm-hmm. from Image. Um, what? Where are you on this Cobra Commander book, Rich? Uh, this one is definitely better than the first issue. Mm. Um, it's interesting because obviously he is going to uh, form Cobra. Cobra. <laughs> yeah. Instead of going back to um, Cobra, uh, Cobra uh, the Cobra line, all that sort of stuff, and all that. So this is obviously just a, an origin. So basically, they're telling two origin stories at the same time. Yes, they're doing the so origin Duke's, of G.I. Joe Duke's and the origin. origin. Is, the, yeah, is the origin of G.I. Joe, and Cobra's origin is obviously the origin of Cobra. So it's interesting. I like it. I like that there's these two issues that are kind of heading towards the origin of both factions. And remember the Duke one we had Baroness last issue as well. Yeah. Which I got very excited by. It was Your good to see Zer- I know, and it was good to see Zerana, who I also love. And and, mm-hmm. and the dreadnoughts. So yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this man. I, I I'm I'm digging this heavily. Like, it's fun because Larry's doing his thing 
in Real American Hero, but then we've got this really cool Cobra Commander book and um, and, and Duke as well. So it's all systems go. Yo, Joe. Cobra. Um, now, Trade of the Week, unfortunately, not as good as what we just talked about. Street Fighter X, G.I. Joe. Yeah, I was actually I was actually very annoyed and ashamed of you for a picking. Mm. Well, I thought it'd be good, basically. Um, Street Fighter and G.I. Joe, I thought to myself, this will be interesting. And then we found out that Aubrey, I hate America Citizen, uh, the fucking guy. Oh, I also hate, hate Street Fighter too. That fucking flag burner um, is was writing this. I wasn't aware of that. And then I saw some of... Um, Michael Kalashim's comments, and then I realised. Um, basically, to set it up, look, there's bits of this I thought were okay, but it's so light. This is a re- I thought this book was going to be so different. Uh, once again, Richard, I, I thought expected so much more than what I got. It's a tournament. That's what, that's what I've been trying to tell you, Dave. I know. You have these lofty, high mm-hmm. expectations for things because you've already played it out in your mind. I know, I know, I know. And it's not what you thought. Oh, dude, just from the start, when Baroness lost, I was like, really? And then, like, also, can I say, it was the laziest. Oh, who did she lose to? Oh, I don't remember, man. Like, and by the way, her loss wasn't a thrown fight. Who, who did she lose to? I don't remember. Like, Rufus. That's right. Yeah, don't remember. The remind big me. fat Rufus. Yeah, don't remember. Snake lost him too, but he threw the match. Yeah, I know. Um, why did Snake Eyes lose? Oh, he so for some it. reason, yeah. they wanted Jinx to face fucking Bison in the finals. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> because she's got the spirit of a kuma in her, or fucking some bullshit. What, why? Like, why did Ryu not fight and fight, and, fight, and Ryu is her um, mentor. Her mentor. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on well, here? The, the, the idea well, of that's Ryu okay. Ryu loses apparently purposely yeah. to Jinx in his match. I'm like, when that happened, before you like, forget your fucking Baroness <laughs> bullshit. Ryu. Yeah, I know. Ryu losing to Jinx. And Ken the, didn't even make the fucking finals. Ken didn't even make the cut of the fucking story. I was pissed off about that. And Scarlet's on fucking com duty. Um, oh, and, and Duke. No, Hawk. Duke was not in it, man. There's no Duke. Oh, yeah, Hawk. Shit. Hawk's with Scarlet. At this point, I wasn't even paying attention. I thought that was Hawk and Scarlet. Yeah, no, really Duke didn't even get a fucking mention, man. Um, like, I'll say this about this comic. It's a mess. It's very, very light. You know what it made me reminded me of? It reminded me of sometimes you would get games, sometimes fighting games with a tie-in comic, you know, and you read that comic and it was like a really light read, really light, like for the super casual fan. And this was like that, but unfortunately it wasn't one issue, which it should have been. It was like fucking five or six and I was just like, man, this just gets worse and worse. And like, it, like it was like written by someone who knew nothing about GI Joe. Like they were given the characters like five minutes before they had to write the script. Okay, like I know who Snake Eyes is. No one else. Okay, blah blah blah. And it was. I was just like, having a look. By the way, I was confused because Duke is actually on the fucking cover. Yeah. Well, he wasn't in the fights. 
and and it was definitely Hawk in the comms room. So I don't know, man. So that's a lie. He may have turned up in the scene where the pretend characters came. He's probably in there somewhere. I think he's on more. Than- I feel like this is such a fucking waste of an opportunity, right? So oh, yeah. you've got GI Joe, right? And you've actually got Street Fighter characters that would fit perfectly into the GI Joe world, like Cammy, Guile, mm. Charlie. All that sort of shit. So you could have actually just said, okay, look, we're not going to make Ryu and all that the main characters in this, right? Because we want we want the G.I. Joe Street Fighter angle. And we can have it that Cammy and Gal and, and whatever are sort of working undercover with the Joes to take down Bison. And they've got to try and get through Ryu and Ke- You know what I mean? And, mm. and you know, and so now you've got Guile, Cammy, and maybe Charlie. Maybe even Chun-Li. You know, Chun-Li's a cop in, in the thing and all that. Interval. So maybe she could be part of it. You know, like her and Guile are kind of friends and all that. And then you pick the you, you you pick. Sure, I don't mind Jinx, you know, martial arts I don't, and, and Snake Eyes. And so you pick your martial arty mm. um, GI Joe characters to to participate in it because some of the characters they had in it. I was like, why oh, oh, are yeah. these the Joes that are fucking fighting in the? Well, it was um, also. Can I say like? I, I think Roadblock was in. It. I was like, why Roadblock? Oh, Roadblock's popular. No, but he lost to the Turkish fucking wrestler, yeah, dude. I can't even know his fucking name. Roadblock's worst day ever. Roadblock's one of the most popular Joes. What about when he pulled out the fucking, like, massive chain machine gun? I was like, cool. Cool that he's doing that, but, he's like... fucking lost. Yeah, he still lost. Like, this comic made, like, no sense. Like, uh, like I understand it's all fantasy, but this comic, it, it was just... It was stupid... And not fun. It wasn't... Oh, and no Cobra either, man. No who? No Cobra. Well, you had, um... Like, no Vipers and stuff. No, I mean, no Cobra, Commander Cobra. Oh, yeah. Cobra Cobra Commander. Like, yeah, he's at the like, end. To me, it should have been Cobra Commander and Bison. That would have been and, cool. And Destro should have been, yeah, uh, uh, working on something and they were going to use Bison to, like, test it and then betray him. You did see him at the end, though. Yeah, but I'm saying, like... Yeah, not in the the, fights. There's just so much fucking wasted potential in this fucking waste of six issues. Also, can I say... Was it six issues? I think it was six issues. What a fucking waste of six issues. But but also, stupidly, Aubrey, I had America Citizen, had Street Fighter characters fighting Street Fighter characters, which wasn't the point of the story. You know, like, at one point I was like, why every fight should have... Yeah, 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 yeah. In one of the brackets, Street Fighter characters were fighting Street Fighter characters. In in, in one of the fights, um, at least. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, uh, no. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. There, there was one no. fight. Well, the only one I know of is Cammy versus Bison. Well, that's and, and obviously God, but, but but Bison is the big bad guy, so obviously they have to fight him. Yeah, but but Cammy fighting Bison. Why wouldn't you have? I, I didn't understand why why she was fighting Bison, because to me oh, they needed to take out the picture, so they needed Dice, uh, Bison yeah. to. Uh, I I, I, I would have just preferred it if it was all GI Joe versus Street Fighter in all the fights. I, I I I'll be honest, there were little bits that I liked, but really honestly, that was just a bit of artwork. This was a completely wasted opportunity. I've read the Turtles versus Street Fighter; it's far better than this. It's not great, but it's much better. Um, I as I said, what they should have had was Guile, Cam, and all that are with uh, Snake Eyes and let's say Jinx, mm. 
who are participating in the tournament and they're kind of there to keep uh, the eyes on them and the G.I. Joes are actually like infiltrating the fucking complex and they battling bison fucking mm. footmen or whatever, whatever, whatever. And there you have, you know what I mean? And maybe even Charlie and Cammy could be with the G.I. Joes doing that while Gal and Chun-Li mm. are with Snake Eyes and Jinx. Or, you know what I mean? Like, And so basically you put both you have two kind of stories, two A and B plots. Mm. One is the team yeah. with Joes that are trying to infiltrate and do G.I. Joe shit. Yes. And then the other half is the team that is participating in the fight to keep Bison distracted and, and Death Row distracted or whatever sort of stuff. I totally agree. Um, yeah. It, this, but, but, uh, yeah. It's, it's so terrible to me when a professional fucking writer yeah. does a worse job than what I can think of. But dude, this guy's not a good writer. I mean, he he, he dug a hole. He's a professional writer, though. So I mean, he yeah. fucking gets paid for this shit. He gets paid for it, but I would hope, I, I not much. I I just can't believe this guy took such two great franchises, the opportunity to mix it, and he just completely fucked it. You know, I mean, James Tilly in the fourth, at least his Batman Turtles was. Pretty good, really. I yeah, mean, but this this strikes me as someone who go who they said, "Listen, you've got to write this story." He's like, "Oh, fucking, I don't want to write this story." No, yeah, agreed. He he did almost no research, and what's weird is he wrote some Joe, and and this is the best he could do. Like, uh, like he seemed not comfortable really with either, but his writing style, to me, was what I call super surface. Like, it was the writing style of someone who's watched a few cut scenes of the Street Fighter, um, you know, opening montage and stuff. Like, that was the level of writing, man, which is not a high level, you know? I mean, his over-reliance on Rufus. Like, all of a sudden, Rufus is like just... We couldn't get enough fucking Rufus in our lives with this guy. Um, I've never seen more Rufus. Like, it was just... It was ridiculous to me that the choices that were made... And the execution of those choices was appalling. Um, terrible. The artwork was okay. Um, you know, I have to pick something out. I would say the artwork was okay, not great. It was okay. Um, the mishandling of characters, uh, just awful. Like, just really bad. Um, I, I thought that lady's name was Agent... Oh no! What is her name? Agent? Is it Agent Viper? Is that her name with the it's glass? Viper, yeah. Viper, yeah. I, I like that character. I've I've actually fought a lot with that character over the years, but I I don't know much about her. But but uh, you don't need to when you're playing the game. Um, I liked that she was getting a front row seat. At least she got a run. Um, but just a really poor effort overall. Like I'd give this book a one point five out of ten, and even then, I feel like I'm being generous, honestly. Uh, I think you've been very generous. Mm, I do too. I don't know why I'm getting 1.5. Fuck it, 1. 1 out of 10. Correct. That is the correct answer. And you're only getting that because they bothered to put something out there. Um, yeah, just really bad. Terrible, actually. You, you, it's your choice next week, Rich, because I thought this was going to be fucking awesome. I didn't realise that Aubrey fucking I had America Citizen flag burner was writing it. Um, if I had, I would have probably paused. How the fuck that guy got on G.I. Joe? You know, like that's a that's a that's a crime. Hey, sometimes it's not about uh, what you know; it's who you know. Yeah, 
well, we know this guy sucks. Um, Rich, that's going to wrap it up for this week. We've got, obviously, we've got um, the Patreon. Um, if you can join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Signal of Doom. So that's patreon.com slash Signal of Doom. Highly appreciate it if you can help us out and join up. It all goes towards show running costs. I just renewed the site for another year um, and, and our hosting plans and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, look, anything you guys can give helps out because it, it goes to pay for the show, goes towards those costs. So it's much appreciated. Um, we're proud members of the collective. We've got Inner Demons on there. We've got Last Sons of Krypton. I'm doing a guest episode with um, Connor and Ray on this week. Uh, coming up, we're doing Panic in the Sky, um, the trade paperback. Um, Capes and Lunatics. I'm continuing on there with my um, things with Ray and Phil about Scarlet Spider, which is a lot of fun. But the next one we're doing is a... Um, Wolverine team up. Um, Capes and Lunatics do a lot of good stuff. Phil and Lilith are hilarious. Um, as I said, you've got Inner Demons with Brian Biggie. You've got Ghost Spider Groupies. You've got a lot going on. It's just a great time to be alive, Rich. Um, how are you, man? Any final comments for any final thoughts for the audience? No, man. I, just, uh, uh, this week's been pretty. Yeah, get some rest, man. Pretty meh. So I don't even want to acknowledge that this week was an actual real week. Just get some rest, dude. Get, get some rest up, heal up. Um, your only job is you've got to decide on a book for next week. If you don't decide anything, I'll pick Rogue Trooper. Um, so it's up to you. <laughs> See if I can find something. Find something, man. Does it? Whatever you want. It couldn't be worse than Street Fighter X, Jojo. I don't know, man. There's more shit than diamonds in the in, <laughs> in the jungle out there these days. But it has been a lot of fun to be back in action after a week layoff. Rich, you rest up, and good night. Good night.